Hi, this is Christopher Mitten, artist of Umbral and Criminal Macabre, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. <laughs> Oh, that was a very enthusiastic woohoo. Oh, everyone's all fired up. And we have taken every possible precaution to ensure that the audio that meets your ears is quality. Glistening, sparkly, diamond-like quality. And I hope it's happening. Dap sounds great. Jason sounds okay. I'm hoping oh I'm God, I'm hoping I sound you are such an asshole. I know. This is because I love you. That's yeah. all. It's got to sound good for the Book of the Month Club tonight. Um, yeah. Oh, wait. Brad, tonight's not Astro City? No. It's not Astro City, no. We'll probably be going to another city. Maybe Ooh, maybe Rock, maybe Rockwood or Spiral City, but it's not. Astro City, but so crazy. Just to, I mean, I I know we shouldn't bury the book of the month lead, but I am very much enjoying revisiting Astro City from the beginning. Uh, Seems is the one half issue in the first trade? No. Oh, because when Uh, I had him. No, I was going to say I'm not reading the trade. I'm reading um, the issues. Me too. But when I had them bound, I put the one half issue before issue one where it belongs. Oh. Um, uh, so I, I, I read, read it anyway. It's all right. It's okay. So that's all right. You'll have this. And you'll have that because this is episode 519 of 11 O'Clock Comics. And I am, forget about it, Vince B. <laughs> Uh, I ain't gonna forget about it. And you are Vince B. And I'm David A. Price. Yes, you are. And in 2020, you'll send me back again like I did it in the day because I am Rod. He hate me. Smart. This is a wrestling reference. No. Uh, XFL, son. What's XFL? It is Vince McMahon's once and future alternative to the NFL that he just announced he's bringing back. Today, he announced it, $100 million, to create a new alternative league. Is he out of his mind? Yes. It's Vince McMahon. So the answer is yes. And Rob Smart was one of the breakout stars of the prior incarnation. And the XFL tried to do things differently. And they allowed their players to put anything on the back of the jersey they wanted instead of their last name. And so Rod Smart put on the back of his jersey, he hate me. And became affectionately known as He Hate Me. Okay. So that's why I'm tonight. It sounds like a foolish endeavor to me. It may well be. Wow. But the bitch in his back pocket will probably invent some new tax. And we'll all pay for it. So, whatever. (laughs) But no, you're not He Hate Me. You're Jason Wood. And I got something that you will definitely not hate. Mm-hmm. That is the absolute lowest prices on your favorite funny books and collectibles. And where would we get them? Discount, Discount comic, comic Book Service. That's right. DCBService.com. They have everything that you could possibly desire in the previews catalog for a fraction. A mere 
part of the eventual retail price. Such as, we got some Black Mask with Billionaire Killers, number one, written by Matteo Pizzolo and art by Sue Lee. This is this is interesting stuff. Uh, the first issue has a cover price of three ninety nine, but you will get it for two dollars and nineteen cents. That's forty five percent off. It's a good deal for a black mask book. Over at Dynamite, they're stirring the pot again with the Green Hornet, another number one. This has been written by Amy Chu and art by Mister Aramusp. Cover price three ninety nine. Your price, bada bing, a dollar ninety nine. Last but not least, Jason's friend, his man, fifty grand, Alessandro Michelli, is on a book called The Ballad of Sang. It's a mini series, number one, coming out of Oni Press, with a three ninety nine cover price. You, super intelligent, thrifty comic book buying man and women or woman, could get it for a dollar ninety nine. That's boys' pants. DCBService.com. Do not mind late orders or order editions, and you get your books all delivered nice and safe and sound to your very front door. What could be easier? Nothing, I say. Nothing. It's nice. easier than falling out of bed. Which is pretty easy. I unless know. you have guardrails up. You saw my guardrails? Maybe. They got Spider-Man on them. Nice. Yeah, I know. All right, we have some big doings this episode, so let's get this drink roll call out of the way. All right, let's do it. Kick it off, man. Carlo Rossi. Same same thing as last time, big-ass jug. Cabernet. Same as the first. Sauvignon. It's like half done already, though, half finished. Half done. It'll never be over. It'll never be over. What are you drinking, Jason? This is for you, Dap, because I love you so much. I'm drinking 19 Crimes 2015 red wine. What's on the cork? I don't know. The cork's downstairs. Uh, got the it's bottle one of the here, 19 though. crimes, I bet. Though. Is it? Well, there you go. I don't know. I didn't know I was supposed to look at the cork. It's part of the whole thing. It is? Yeah. There's, there's a crime on the cork. There you go. I don't know. Wow. It's a great mystery. Philistine. More importantly, though, David A. Price, what are you <laughs> drinking? Uh, I'm actually, there's a bit of a nip in the air and, um, I decided to drink something that would warm me up just a bit. Uh, so I am enjoying some distilled and aged, uh, bullet bourbon frontier whiskey from Kentucky. Wow. Oh, nice. There's more than a bit of a chill on the air. It is cold out. My and pa- you say you're, you're, drink, you're drinking something from Kentucky. People are going to think we have Kirkman coming on. No, we don't. <laughs> we don't. No. no, no, we don't. Um, I don't have any Canadian whiskey, so this is uh, as close as it's going to get. Well, for the record, Kirk- Kirkman trails our guest by about 15, 11 o'clockers. So. Yeah, he's big doings. And well, we should... What's more important, though, is Kirkman has never been on the show, whereas our guest has. It's true. Yep. And it's unlike true. Kirkman, our guest does not relish abusing his creations. <laughs> okay. All right. So, all right. So we're going to get our guest. You just sit right there. Don't move. You can touch yourself, but don't move out of this, out of the seat. And we'll be right back. All right. And we're back. And as we alluded 
It's a very special evening because in the fourth chair, making his fourth appearance on the show, one of our favorite creators, a creator who has received, after last week's year-end awards, he has now now a record 16 11 O'Closkers since we've been starting the show, including... He has been our listener's favorite writer-artist and astounding five times in our nine years. Arguably the most prolific man in comics, but uh, combining both quality and quantity, currently penning and drawing Royal City while writing, and get ready for it, it's a long list, Black Hammer, just wrapping up Sherlock Frankenstein and the Legion of Evil, Descender, Bloodshot Salvation, and the upcoming Terrifics at DC... Dr. Star and the Kingdom of Lost Tomorrows at Dark Horse. And last but certainly not least, Gideon Falls, his newest creator-owned work with his partner, Andrea Sorrentino, at Image. Please welcome back to the show, Mr. Jeff Lemire. Hello. How are you? (laughs) (laughs) All right, man. I'm I'm buffing all 16 of my... uh... Yeah, you got to keep making room on that mantle. Yeah, yeah. There, there's another two heading your way. Uh, overnight Express probably will be there oh, tomorrow. Okay. I always so. look forward to when they arrive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We 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 uh we got a new a new bronze caster this year as well, so it's oh, a whole okay. new look and everything. Very good. Yeah. Yes. What yes. Jason doesn't know, Jeff, is that regardless of all those books he listed, this will be our special Bloodshot only episode <laughs> where we will talk. Yeah, I, I figured. Well, Jeff, as I was reminding Vince, you are uh, you are Vince's choice for favorite writer back to back years, and I think it's the first time he's ever picked someone back to back. This is true, and uh, in no in no doubt, in large part due to Bloodshot Salvation, because because Vince is the largest fan of Valiant outside of uh, those of you who actually work for Valiant. So, (laughs) (laughs) it's such a great book. They're all great, but but Bloodshot, yeah. you know, you're never going to top it. You should just write Bloodshot. Make it a yeah. weekly. Yes, a weekly Bloodshot book. <laughs> Bloodshot Universe, it, it 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 could work. It really could. <laughs> yeah, but, but but I mean, before we dive into uh to to the to the various and sundry works. Dude, are you getting any sleep? Like for real? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I get I get the asked that a lot, but honestly, I'm not I'm not nearly as busy this year as I have been the past couple of years. It's uh, a lot of the things you listed have already been written and uh, they're just coming out now. So my actual work schedule right now is pretty, it's probably as light or lighter than it's ever been since I first started comics professional, being a professional writer. So I'm really only writing uh, Descender, Gideon and uh, Royal City right now. Because Bloodshot, I've written way ahead. I'm like, I have like 14 issues written. Uh, <laughs> same Black Hammer is all written. All the miniseries are written. So yeah, it's not as crazy as it as it seems. Okay. So yeah. last year you got no sleep. Last year was very yeah, it was rough. Marvel, all the Marvel stuff was tough, and then they started double shipping on me, and then oh, had like Death of X and IVX and yeah. five X Men books a month, and I wanted to jump off a bridge but i'm better this year nice and then i assume i mean i know roughneck came out early last year but i assume that was something you've been writing for a year or yeah, two that before, right? done, they held on to that one for a bit it, would, it had been done for a couple of years so yeah. yeah yeah well that was fantastic by the way we haven't seen okay. we've talked to you since it came out but i really Thank enjoyed you. that 
Now, when you say Black Hammer is, has been written, do you have all of Black Hammer plotted out? It is not plotted out. It is scripted, fully scripted. All of, Wow. Yeah, well, see what happened there. I, I had started writing it, and I mean, I'm pretty fast to begin with, but then Dean, the artist Dean Ormston, after the first issue sh- was finished, he got sick for a right. while. So he was off right. for about a year or maybe a year and a half. And I didn't want to lose my momentum because I kind of felt like I had something going that was pretty good. So I just kept writing when he was sick and I ended up writing the whole the whole main series um, pretty much right through. And we've expanded it a bit since since that initial thing, but I've at this point the whole the whole series is written. I won't tell you how many issues it is, but it's all, Yeah, it's that all was my next, my next question. Yeah. <laughs> it's not it's the the end is not imminent. There's I I have there's quite a few. Left. Dude, you are a machine. I was going to say it better not be like six more issues. No, no. <laughs> Okay. I'm on my farewell tour. Seriously. All right, so where should we begin? Let's let's start with um let's start with Gideon Falls. Because it's 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 the it's the newest thing that we've we've had the chance to review. Okay. Thank you, by the way, for sending along a, a copy of the first issue for us to to read before. Oh, it, you're uh, very welcome. So um this is uh I, I first of all very much enjoyed the first issue. Um but I, I went in blind. I, I didn't I don't know how is is this an ongoing? How long is this? I mean, is this a longer form, shorter form? What, well, what do we have to expect? Forty six issues of it, so no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, it is. Uh, it will be an ongoing series. I think we're kind of waiting uh, with all creator on things. You kind of wait and see how how the sales are, you know, before you like commit to a sixty issue run or anything. But it's at this point, it feels like uh, I have it plotted out to be around like you know twenty twenty four issues, but. Mm-hmm. That was the same with Descender, and you know when Descender, when the sales warranted it, we we were able to sort of breathe a bit and, and let it expand, and you know now it's much bigger. So it, it, there's definitely room for it to be quite big, but it's going to be you know at least a, a couple year run for sure. Nice. Well, I, I don't know uh, what the ground rules are for this one because it hasn't hit the stands yet, but maybe we'll let you intro it instead of us because because uh, I don't want to like spoil any key. I mean, it's a it's a the, the first issue definitely draws you in, and then we've got sort of two parallel narratives between what I presume are two of the main characters. But um, right, yeah, yeah. But uh, maybe you just want to touch on, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I can talk a little about the, the origins of it because, cool. uh, you know, obviously I'd worked with Andrea a couple times now with Green Arrow at DC, and then um, Old Man Logan at Marvel, and I think we we're about halfway through our, our Logan run when we started discussing the possibility of. Uh, doing a creator-owned book because he and I work together so well, and we just thought it'd be nice to do something that we can, you know, create ourselves from the ground up and, and control and own ourselves. And um, <clears throat> so we we started throwing around ideas, and I know knowing Andrea's sensibilities and and some of the things he kind of threw at me, I knew he wanted to do something that was a bit darker and um, something, you know, psychological horror kind of thing. And I hadn't really done a horror book yet either so that kind of intrigued me and so as you do i kind of started digging through all my old ideas and trying to come up with something and um basically the i guess the high concept of the book it's um it's kind of hard to explain because it's pretty <laughs> it's a pretty messed up book but it's uh follows two characters one one lives in the city he's um this this kind of delusional paranoid troubled young guy who is convinced that there is uh, some sort of cons- conspiracy or some sort of like 
something is going on, uh, and the clues he's finding are all in the city's trash. So he 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 kind of goes out and hunts through alleys and, and dumpsters and finds he's finding pieces of something, and he's assembling it in his his apartment, and he's convinced it's this sort of supernatural place that he's called he has visions of called the black barn it's kind of this this creepy old barn that he thinks he's finding pieces of and then um sort of the parallel story is set in a small town and it's a this priest who moves to the small town to sort of take over the church after the 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 current priest is murdered um which is always a great job to take, and uh, <laughs> he he as well starts seeing this this black barn, and he starts to uncover this whole sort of secret history of this town with this black barn as um, sort of this this rural legend of this uh, kind of this haunted house thing that appears all the time, and whenever it appears, bad stuff happens in the town. And he's, he kind of gets gets caught up in that mystery and then the two narratives the one in the city and the one in the country slowly start to weave together into something creepier and more complex nice yeah i mean yeah, I, and you will you oh go ahead vince no i would go ahead you go you i was just going to say that uh, it's 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 implied fairly strongly that father wilford the father the priest involved is has got a, an interesting past himself and is yes it had a bout of losing his faith and i guess is at least by uh, by his his boss's uh, interpretation, recently rediscovered it. But yeah, and he's he's got some issues. So he's he's you know both these guys are obviously troubled. And they're they're outsiders and they're kind of you know loners and and with with both with a lot of demons in their past as well that they're dealing with and all that stuff will obviously yeah. be explored. Yeah. yeah, I see mm-hmm. a little Hunter Thompson in in uh, Father Wilfred. Really? Oh yeah, the look. I never thought of that. That's that's. Yeah, Andrea, he he has those character designs, but I, I hadn't thought of that. I can see that too, actually. But the cool thing about it is, you set the stage with the cover. I think the cover's brilliant. How? Yeah, that's Andrea's idea. It's pretty pretty neat. Oh, it's great, great. And for those of you who haven't seen the cover, what it is is it's it's an aerial view of of a city, streets and alleys and parks and buildings, the the whole nine yards. But it's it's uh, shaped into the. Uh, form of a human profile so as yeah. to say that the city is a living entity and yes. one of the things um, I'm, I'm fascinated by the, the concept of psychogeography and yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I found a lot of that in this how um, you had Norton just wandering through the city waiting for something to reveal itself to him yeah there's clearly he, there's something going on with him he's obviously a gifted in, in strange ways and he's able to sort of divine the the location of these these objects you know and, and we'll get more into that as you said uh as the series goes obviously but uh yeah it's funny that this character this norton this guy hunting the trash for clues and stuff this character it's actually the very first sort of, I guess, character I ever came up with it was back when I was in film school, like early mid nineties. I, I made a short film and this character was the star. Like it was the, the film I made was about this, this Norton character hunting the, through trash and everything. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. That so was, thought, oh, he's always crazy. sort of been around and in my sketchbooks and stuff, but I never huh. really found it. And then the first comic I started, I started to uh, write and draw myself back around like 99, 2000. Um, was basically some of, sort of a lot of the ideas from Gideon Falls were in it. The Norton character was in it, and it was a little different and not, not nearly as good. But it was uh, 
the, the thing I tried to do before Essex County and all that stuff that it just never, I never really got it together. I was still kind of figuring out what the hell I was doing. But, um, so yeah, this, this thing's been around for a long time. And there's a lot of investigations into mirror images upside down. Yeah, a, lot of, a lot of stuff. Andre is really obviously very inventive. If people, people have read our green arrow and Logan stuff know that he really, he really goes to town on, on his layouts and, and he adds like a whole other level to the storytelling. Uh, and in this case, when you have these two characters that have this psychological depth to them, he can really play with the layouts to reflect yeah. kind of their, their interstate, you know, and it becomes almost surreal and, um, uh, you know, paralleling these two men and these two settings and juxtaposing them in interesting ways is something I'm doing in the scripts, but then he also augments and kind of takes it to whole new levels and in the, in his layouts, the storytelling as well. He's, he's awesome. If you look at your artistic partners uh, in these books, it's 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 stunning in the diversity of of their styles. And you know, as someone who is a cartoonist yourself, um, I presume, especially after doing this for a bunch of years now of working with other guys, I mean, I, I presume that's a big part of. I mean, that that is a part of your process, right? I mean, in the sense that you know that what Andrea's strengths are are different than say what Rubin's strengths are or what uh, yeah. you know Miko's strengths are. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's it's kind of twofold, you know, you, you just find people you naturally have chemistry with. And, and, you know, I think I found that with Andrea right away at DC, and then we kind of reconnected at Marvel. So, so we already knew we had that chemistry. And then, you, you know, I kind of looked for a story that suited his sensibilities in this one, he wanted something darker and something with sort of this psychological horror that he could really delve into. So you, you kind of create something that is suited for him. And, and likewise, you know, when, when Dustin and I started um, Descender, it was it was more about, like, what, what did Dustin want to draw, you know, and what kind of things did he want to do? And he really loved world building and robots and all that kind of stuff. So, you, you know, you start to think about that stuff and make a story for him. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's just I've been lucky to have such such good partners that I found on, on these books. Dean on, on Black Hammers, he's the perfect fit for that. And, um, and Dustin and, and now Andrea, you kind of find these these collaborators that you have this chemistry with and you try to hold on to them as, as much as possible. And but, right now I'm trying to think of something I can do with Greg Smallwood because we did, you know, Moon Knight was... Oh, oh really yeah, that's scary. our boy. Greg's our and, boy. Uh, he's got his own, he and his wife are doing a book. Uh, I know. Vampironica. Yeah. Yep. You know? yeah. yeah, so we've been, we've been, Greg and I have always stayed in touch, so I wouldn't be surprised. There's nothing imminent, but I wouldn't be surprised if we reconnect too, because I, I thought we really had really gelled on that book. So, so oh, do you, sure. do you allow instances like that to push the narrative in a direction you hadn't planned? Like, we, we, oh, yeah, especially Andrea, because he goes kind of nuts with stuff. So <laughs> he'll, uh, like, I'll give him one description or one, one idea in the script, and he'll take it to a completely different place. And, Sometimes, actually, sometimes with him, it's funny, too, because he doesn't speak English well. He, he's good with email and, and writing, but not so much speaking, so we, everything's through email. But I think once in a while, he might misunderstand certain things in the scripts, and he'll do something a little different, but it ends up kind of being better and, and cooler. So, like, there have been instances in this book, particularly, where we kind of drew something that I didn't intend, but it was way creepier, and it added, like, <laughs> a whole new character that was in my in my story, but it ended up kind of being the thing that unlocked a whole bunch of other ideas. So, you know, stuff like that happens where you just kind of roll up the punches and it's, it's uh, that back and forth can be pretty fun. Yeah. I always wonder if, if, if for, for like your partners who aren't writers as well, if, if, if it's strain, if it's harder or easier to partner with someone who also 
illustrates. Like, I well, the, wonder if it's easier yeah, or harder. Yeah, the feedback for I've gotten, by and large, is that people really like seem to like working with someone who's also an artist. And I think Matt Kent's had the same experience. Matt's a cartoonist as well. Because mm-hmm. I think maybe we have a little bit of a better understanding of what they have to do um, and how they have to break things down and how they have to think to break down the panels and the storytelling. So we kind of maybe uh, <clears throat> we already kind of take that a certain step for them in the scripts, like where it's already broken down in a way that's very artist friendly, you know? Yeah. But I, that's just me pulling smoke. I, I don't know. <laughs> so we've got, we've got father Wilfred. We've got daddy in, in bloodshot. <laughs> yeah. We've, my... we've got, we've got the priest in black hammer. Are you trying yeah. to work through some, some, some post-religious. <laughs> I was, demons? I was raised Roman Catholic. And, right. And, right. I, it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of fun to exercise that. <laughs> that's <through> my <laughs> Especially when I was younger, I kind of was hung up on it. Not so much now, but um, yeah, sure. You, 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 I'm sure that there's some some leftover psychological baggage from that. <laughs> yeah, same here. I run away from it every day of my life. Same, yeah. My my wife and, and my wife is Catholic, and my kids are being raised Catholic. But same. I am the uh, I am the, uh, <laughs> the I'm the, uh, the yeah. Former. You know what? Though, the th- I mean, I, my whole family, my whole you know, like my mom and my dad, my sisters, everything are all still Catholic, and I have. That's totally cool with me, but it's just, it's not really for me. But, but sure. you know, to each his own. But I will say that the the Wilford character in, in Gideon, I did try to. There's so many negative stereotypes in fiction about priests and, <laughs> and everything, you know, and, and in many cases justifiably so. But Wilford, I really tried to make a good. He is a good man, and he he may have uh, you know a history, but it's not. Um, you know, I, I tried to to create a strong character that wasn't. Didn't really oh, play okay, cool. So, so he is. We should look at him as he is going to be a legitimate hero. Then he's not going to be. In so. my mind, he is. Yeah. Okay. He's a good. He's a good man who's struggling to do the right thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and this comes out in March, right? March. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. March. We got some awesome variants too. I just got a. Greg Swalwood actually just handed me a variant today. That's awesome. We'll probably show that soon. And uh, Jack did the first one. It's a pretty 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 great. Um, and Cliff Chang's working on one. So we've got some pretty cool artists doing variants. It's always fun to see other people interpret your creator-owned characters, especially. One of the most surprising things about the issue was not something uh, out of excess, but out of restraint. This color work by Stuart yeah. does not look like his, his regular work. It's, yeah, well, he it's and very Andrea subtle. had never worked together before, and it's funny, we didn't know what to expect, because Andre is very demanding on his colorists, he's <laughs> kind of notoriously so, and uh, he'd never worked with Dave, but he has a ton of respect for Dave, so mm-hmm. we didn't know what they would look like together, we just kind of, when Dave said he'd do it, we went for it, because Dave's so good, you know, and, uh, but yeah, it really does, it's really muted, and, and I think a lot of that was him and Andrea going back and forth on, on, on trying to find a style that worked well, but I, yeah, I agree. It doesn't look like these other stuff, but it, it, it's, uh, it's really interesting to look at, I think. All right, Vince, go ahead, man. I know you've got a million questions about bloodshot. So <laughs> now's, your, now's your chance. How does it feel to write the best book on the damn stands? <laughs> hey, it's fine. You know, I, I never, I don't know if we talked about this last time, but when, when I finished bloodshot reborn, that was it for me and bloodshot. I thought, you know, and, and, I think there was a good six months or eight months where I wasn't where I'd finished Reborn and wasn't working on Bloodshot anymore, and I just missed the character and started talking to Warren Simons at Valiant about 
at first it was just going to be like a four issue miniseries. Like, just do a little bit more bloodshot, <laughs> and then that became you know the whole the whole new the new series salvation. So yeah, it, it, I guess the fun of it for me is the world building I got to do with that character because he's kind of a blank slate with it when I got him. So um, through the course of the twenty five issues we did of Reborn or whatever, I, I built like a pretty huge new supporting cast and the whole mythology around Bloodshot that wasn't there. And once you kind of do that, you get pretty invested in it. And, um, and you don't want really want to leave because you, you, you kind of care about those characters and, and it's not a creator on book, but it almost feels like one in some ways, you know? Right. I mean, you did the equivalent of the Marvel family with Bloodshot. Like, he has a bunch of buddies now that are, that are <laughs> like him. He's got a dog. He's got a, a wife. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you just keep kid. building and building. It seems so fun to just add these other elements because, you know, the fun of the Valiant characters for us, I think, with, with the, it's such a young universe that uh, there's still so much you can do with these characters that hasn't been done. Whereas when you get a Marvel or DC character, there's like, you know, 50 or 70 years of history. And right, right. It's hard to kind of break new ground with them, you know? You can. So, but with, with these Valiant characters, you can kind of take all the fun cool tricks that they've done with those marvel and dc characters over the decades and kind of <laughs> bring some of them over and kind of put your spin on them in the valiant stuff so it can yeah. kind of do a whole bunch of world building that's it's pretty that's i love you know i mean i love doing that stuff and having that kind of freedom it almost when i got that book it, i kind of modeled it on not not in content so much but just in in sort of my ambition for the, the character was to kind of look at what alan moore had done on swamp thing in the in the 80s where he had taken this what was at the time kind of a you know a two-dimensional horror character a monster you know and he we all know what alan Moore did with swamp thing he built it into this massive mythology and took it in all these strange directions and uh you know it, it was kind of like that with bloodshot where i had this sort of two-dimensional 90s action character and i just wanted to just stretch him in all different places and try putting him in all different genres and different kinds of stories and, and building a cast. And, uh, and that's the freedom you have to do that at Valiant is, is pretty fun where you wouldn't, you wouldn't get that freedom at the big two for sure. Mm-hmm. When you said Alan Moore expanding the Swamp Thing mythology, I th- immediately thought of Abby eating the tuber. <laughs> from, And yeah. I'm thinking, what if a bunch of cannibals bit into Bloodshot and oh, became... That's uh don't don't say this online because you can email it to me later and I can steal it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the each issue to me feels like an event because I think you have two virtuosos working on the book. Oh, those artists that Warren gets! My God, yeah, like, yeah. Nico is unreal, and and Louis Arosa, yeah, he's. Yeah, and then the, you should see. I I should actually send you a PDF Vince, of the next issue. I just lettered it. Um, Yesterday, <laughs> it's yeah, it's it's unreal. It's Renato Guedes, I think I'm Ooh, saying. Oh, right. Renato Guedes, yeah. But Renato he's Guedes. painting everything now, and it's just like <gasps> off the charts. It's like, oh, yeah, he did uh, he did the Ninjak right the last. Uh, he did a bunch of that right. Yeah, yeah. It, it looks incredible. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So let, let's let's talk about Valiant a little bit because you know uh, we and I. I mean, I'm going to give credit to my to my brothers here. I mean, David and Vince are. are or full-time advocates of Valiant. I have, yeah, I've become a, a, a bigger advocate because of their persistence, and thank, I thank them for that. But, but you know, I mean, um, like you mentioned, how when you do a creator-owned book like Gideon or Descender these days, you kind of wait to see, take a pulse of the demand, and then if it's there, you can, you kind of know you have a you know bit of a longer leash or what have you. But, 
um, you know, we we often advocate and talk about and, and pimp Valiant books, and certainly I think objectively, um, you know, three guys that talk about and read uh, what many would consider an insane number of comics. I think Valiant for the, you know, the 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 per title has an incredibly high um, hit rate. I think uh, totally, yeah, yeah, and and it's weird though because I mean, you know, being blunt, um, and you could probably speak to this more than we can as as one of the creators. You know, I, it's fair to say that that we were fortunate enough that when we do recommend things, I, I think people do give them a try on our recommend uh, on our rec- on our recommendation. But Valiant has been harder, and, and, and yeah, it's tough. Yeah, and I, I, you know, we have our own ideas about why. But but I guess what I'm wondering with you, you know, that you and and like Matt and like you said, some of these artists have been there for a while. It's clear, like the businessman in me says, well, they must Valiant, the company must treat you guys really well because. You know, they're, they're obviously you guys keep coming back to do more Valiant, and you know. Uh, but but what is what is your perspective on it in terms of like, um, you know the the I guess the 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 ability to maintain a quality of 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 creativity and 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 talent on these books, even though you know, unfortunately, they haven't been able to like you know make a breakthrough and, and hit yeah. you know bigger market share. Yeah, it's 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 kind of a catch twenty two. You know, we get so much freedom and we're treated so well, but it is the books. It's it it is hard to sell people on the Valiant stuff for some reason, even now. And even though I think, like you said, pound for pound, book for book, the quality of their line is incredible. You know, I'd put it up against. You know, they do what do like seven, eight books a month. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You take take their books and put them up against the seven or eight best Marvel or DC books, and I, I think they stand up really well and. But yeah, why won't it break through? I mean, that's beyond me. I don't. I don't know. They're good comics, but um, you know the reason. I think the vision, the the vision of the company and of the kind of creative, all comes from Warren Simons. He's just such a, a bright guy, and he's developed relationships with creators like you know, like Nico and Lewis and Matt and I and, and other guys um, over the years that he's he's been working at comics and. When someone treats you well and you have fun working for them, you want to keep working for them. And so I think it's it's no surprise that we stick around because you know they treat you with respect and and they give you freedom creatively and um, <clears throat> they give you these fun toys to play with where you, yeah. you have a lot. You just like I said before, you you don't have you're not bogged down by by decades worth of history. You, you're the one building the history, and that's that's something the other companies can't offer. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's hard to answer the question because I, I do wish more people were reading Bloodshot too. I think, you know, of all my, all the work for hire stuff I've ever done, it's probably, if not the best, it's right up there with the best for sure. And, um, but it certainly it does, hasn't found as big a readership as other things. But, you know, maybe it'll be that kind of thing where a decade from now, like it'll be a cult thing where people, yeah. you know, go back and find it and start to rediscover how great some of this stuff was. Like, I thought Josh Dysart's Harbinger was, was exceptional. And, the stuff Matt's done on Ninjak or, or um, uh, EXO has been off the charts, too. So yep. it, Secret it, Weapons is great, too. It was one of yeah, my favorite. Uh, the quality's oh, yeah. there. It's just, you know, <clears throat> yeah, I wish more people were reading them. I agree. Yeah, well, I mean, and from our vantage, I have to say that for small publishers, I mean, they're fantastic from a PR press relations. I mean, yeah. Hunter, mm-hmm. Hunter Gorenson, he, I mean, he has, he's been super proactive in reaching out to us and, um, you know, he, he sends us like physical comps, which, you know, not a lot of small nice. publishers do these days. They send you digital comps a lot, but, yeah. but, uh, and, and he's, he's even done sponsors, sponsorships on the show to promote, you know, like XO and stuff. I mean, he, he's, and he's great. He's very proactive. And so, 
um, they certainly do everything in their power to yeah. raise the profile. So I feel like they do everything right. It's just, uh, you know, I don't know who yeah. knows what it takes. Maybe one of their movies needs to get made and it gets, it kind of breaks through to that wider audience. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know what it's going to take, but the books are great. I know that. Absolutely. You know, I, I love reading them. So <clears throat> absolutely. Do you think the chances are good that, that Ninjak versus the Valiant universe is, is actually going to click with people? I, I have no idea. I don't even know. Is that like that digital online film? So that whatever? That's the movie that they're planning. Okay. Yeah. Yes. This shows you how much I know. I don't know. <laughs> well, you know, that know. that's good, though, because it, it at least shows to me that you're in your own little bloodshot universe. Yeah. And you do play with other pieces from the Valiant universe, but, I mean, you're just doing your own thing and and that, they're not trying that, to tie the movie into whatever right there's a yeah. there's a purity I, to that you know as much as I, I the only reason i really care about the movies is if they help bring more people to the comics you know, beyond that i couldn't yeah that's fair that's, <laughs> i like that approach yep so <clears throat> so you've you image dc dark horse marvel valiant all publishers you either are currently working with or have worked with in the last few months um i mean is that just sort of product of circumstance and that the interesting projects to come up, or, or have you? It's a little tried bit of both, you know. I yeah. think uh, I was at DC, exclusive at DC for like five years, you know, because yeah. I kind of broke in there with Sweet Tooth and Vertigo, and then yep. came over to the DCU and did stuff there with the New Fifty Two and all that stuff. So I, you know, I was under contract for like five five years or something, and when that contract ended, whenever that was now, two or three years ago. Um, you know, you just kind of want to see what else is out there because I hadn't really worked with a lot of the other publishers, and I just kind of wanted to see how other how it is to work with other people and other publishers. And so, you know, I kind of when I got out of contract, I kind of purposefully pitched or got involved with projects from a few different publishers, like Image and uh, Valiant and Marvel and Dark Horse. You know, just to kind of see how things went and what I liked and what I didn't. And you know, you can then it just kind of there's a part of me too that likes sort of the diversity of not having all your eggs in one basket you know it's good to make different contacts and work with different people and but yeah you know and then then projects take off and then that's where i am today you know dark horse supported black hammer a long time ago when i pitched it like a decade ago but i couldn't do it um but they had greenlit it so i felt like it was only fair to kind of take it back to them first so that's why that went there you know and Mm -hmm. um image is just really the place to be for creator on books in terms of the freedom that you have so sure it was a no-brainer to try some stuff there and then you know like we already talked about valiant and uh, and i never worked for marvel so you see you know you just kind of try things and then yeah you know and then you end up working for every publisher at the same time mm-hmm. did did you know back when you were doing essex county and and and, and stuff like you know early on um you know clearly you wanted to make a career in comics but did you, in as much as you can remember, did you think back then, given where the comics industry was in the direct market, that we'd be at a place where, you know, in particular, the image model would allow you and so many other awesome creators the ability to not only do this for a living, but to make, you know, a very good living, like, you know, to have meaningful financial success? Like, did you, like, I know you were doing it back then for the love of it, but did you did you think then that there was a chance that the market could evolve into no, what it, it is now? It was really different back then. It, yeah. you know, even not long ago, but it was like, you know, when I first started trying to make comics, uh, you know, around 99, 2000, um, and back then, indie comics and mainstream comics were much more 
divided than they are sure. now. It was like mainstream comics were superheroes and, and genre stuff, and then um, indie comics were like really indie comics, you know, like slice of life stuff, autobio stuff, like you know. And then some something kind of happened right around the same time that my career sort of took off, where indie comics kind of it became a different thing where it sort of blurred into you could all of a sudden do this kind of stuff that you maybe used to do at vertigo or, or genre work, but you could do it as an indie comic at image and at dark horse and more indie cartoonists started doing genre stuff. And it, it didn't, it wasn't such a, you know, they kind of, I think in the nineties and early two thousands, it was sort of like looked down upon if you were an indie cartoonist to do like superheroes or sci-fi and, you know, it was like, wasn't highbrow enough, but that kind of, mentality sort of faded and, and everything kind of got blurred together you know and um in a good way so it really it really changed um right around the same time my career took off which benefited me because i was always a creator who i mean i like doing stuff like essex county and royal city and stuff that's more grounded but I, I, there's a lot you know you guys know i obviously love superhero comics too and i love i love doing sci-fi and i, I loved all that stuff so i kind of entered the, the industry at a the perfect point where yeah there were all these different avenues where i could do all this different kind of stuff and um it was kind of perfect but yeah i mean i when i <clears throat> when i started doing comics in the early 2000s i honestly never thought i'd have a career in comics i just didn't think it was possible because um, my art style is so different you know from the mainstream stuff and the kinds of stuff i was doing like essex county and other things was so left of center that I always thought it would just be the kind of thing where I would lucky to get it published somewhere at a small publisher, but I would always have to have a day job. You know, I just didn't think what has happened to me would ever happen. I couldn't see it then, but things yeah. changed so much, you know. It's kind of ironic, but uh, the moment in comics that you spoke about where it became accepted for indie artists to try different genres mm-hmm. and, and possibilities, that happened around the same time the Comics Journal went away. Yeah, well, yeah, there's there was that kind of highbrow snobby mentality where you know the all the genre stuff was on one side, whether it be superheroes or whatever, and then all the highbrow art comics and autobio stuff was on one side and um there wasn't that cross-pollination and <laughs> you know they really looked down on that stuff and um I'm really glad that that sort of elitist kind of art comic view of things is mostly gone now because it's it's pretty limiting and and it's bullshit really i mean Mm -hmm. good comics are good comics there's great superhero comics and there's bad superhero comics there's great indie art comics and there's really pretentious bad ones yeah you know it doesn't matter it's just the the medium is so fun and and so many possibilities why limit it and why why you know have that kind of judgmental sort of division between things it's it's good that it's gone i mean 100 percent. i think that that um in as much as you know for us doing the show now for god almost i mean nine plus years now i mean we've we've always i think prided ourselves on being the guys that when someone turns on the episode they don't know if we're going to talk about a fanographics book or a comic from 1950 or you know the stuff that just hit it you know this wednesday for marvel Mm -hmm. um and i think that's it does feel like there there has been a bit of a a calming of the of the sides on that, like people. Just yeah, I think everything just sort of shifted, and a lot of it maybe you know who knows what caused that sort of shift in the comics sort of world, but you know social media came about right around that time too. I don't know sure. if that that had something to do with the way we talk about comics, the way that people get into comics or read comics, but um, you know everything kind of 
there's probably a whole bunch of different things that happened at the same time. You know, Vertigo kind of stopped being Vertigo, and, yep. and Image kind of became the place where all that these crazy the, the quote unquote Kirkman manifesto and all that. And, yeah, it, everything yeah. sort of just started shifting around, and, and creators like myself who kind of had their feet in both worlds, where I can do a book like Roughneck one year and then come back and do, you know, Black Hammer or whatever the next year, yeah. and, and and just sort of. It's just different now. Things are, have changed for sure. To whatever extent you're comfortable, I mean, could you talk a bit about your experience as a creator about with digital? Because the reason I ask is, you know, a lot of people are obviously curious about the business. And this is one of those strange hobbies where I think because of the strange nature of the economics of the direct market, you know, fans feel an ownership and a connection to the medium even more than I think most people do with that are fans of other types of things. Yeah. And we all, we get a lot of our, our listeners, uh, you know, that, that are always almost sort of strangely worried about the health of the comics industry because, you know, they don't want to see their, their stuff go away, even though I don't know that the worries are often justified, but, but the one thing we never really get any visibility into, um, even us, even, even the three of us is, is mm-hmm. just how digital is doing. I mean, we hear different things, you know, you hear the stories of like a, like a Kamala Khan, Miss Marvel being a you know phenomenon digitally, which is why it, it stays aboard. But then you hear right. other stories of of like ICV two saying digital sales as a whole aren't really growing that fast anymore. So yeah. just, just curious, like you're like you, like two two things. One, what is your general experience with the, the importance of digital to your own comics? And two, does it vary from book to book? And like, is there any kind of thing that seems to do better in digital than doesn't? Yeah, it's weird. I honestly don't have much much to say about it just because I, I haven't really seen it be a big part of things you know it's there and mm-hmm. I, I don't know if it's growing or not but it doesn't seem to be growing in any sort of significant way that I notice in terms of the way my books are selling you know we, we get our royalty statements from from Marvel or DC or whatever and the vast majority of the stuff is still print you know and, and then we get these digital royalties and they're they're kind of minor I mean if you do a lot of books like me they they add up but they're not it still is a, a significant part of my income, if that's what you're getting at. You know, it's it's pretty, it's sort of just a small little slice of the pie. You know, right. Um, the the one part, the one thing I I constantly see growth in though is the comics in in the book direct, not in the book market, not the direct comic mm-hmm. book, but like bookstores. You know, I, that just keeps growing and growing. And to me, that's sort of the still the thing that makes me feel good about the industry is that. Um, the direct, I know the direct market is sort of still the lifeblood of, of a lot of the companies and, and, and of what I do as well. And, I, and this, so this is not me saying that, you know, criticizing them in any way. But I think if the industry is to stay healthy and to grow, it's got to grow beyond that direct market because it's such a niche thing. And the best thing you see every year is how comics and graphic novels and bookstores, the sales keep going up and up or, or in other sort of parts of the book market things are shrinking, you know, and, and I just think it, it just, it just reaches a totally different audience in, in bookstores and a younger audience too. And, and that's really important. So I think as long as that's growing, that's a really healthy sign. And, um, but yeah, in terms of the digital stuff, I wish I could tell you more, but I, I guess just the short answer is it's, it's not a significant part of how we, I make my money or where my sales come from. That's for sure. Cool. Okay. Yeah. I appreciate it. Appreciate the candor. The, um, Thank you for the playlist on Spotify for Royal City. I was listening to that all day today. Oh, cool! Um, the uh, because I, I I shotgun the last few issues, and I that is probably um, 
one of my favorite things. Uh, oh, thanks, man. I wasn't going to say red, red this year since we're only, you know, 25 days into it. But it is a it's it's a I don't. I it's weird. I I, I knew something was wasn't quite right with the Pike family. And, and then it, it didn't dawn on me until like the third appearance of Tommy, because the first time we see Tommy. Pat is is driving home. I didn't catch that the Tommy with Richie was I'm right. not trying to spoil anything, but I was and, and and so it wasn't until he's in the hospital with mom and mom asks, Tara, did you see your brother? And that right there, it, it was a it, it was reminiscent of like, you know, the sixth sense or something. So I I was kind of hooked early on in, in the first trade and then uh and like I said, I, I just I, I had to catch up since we were gonna be on tonight and then I get to the end of and, and that's when I I read the back matter in in uh probably issue six or seven when you mentioned, you know, Gideon Falls is coming out and, and um so so the playlist is is really and, and I, I appreciate the shift from present day to, to catching up on uh <laughs> Tommy and, and, and the younger days. Um but I I is this obviously we've mentioned, or I know I have where you'll read something from some, like, like there's some writers like we've talked about, like Warren Ellis, you, you know, you're going to get some science fiction stuff in his stories. And yeah. uh, everybody kind of has certain beats that they always tend to hit. And whereas with Alan Moore, he's, he's pretty much a chameleon and you, you don't really know what you're going to get. There's no really definitive, like Alan Moore voice. And I get that sense from you as well because you'll write something like Gideon Falls for Andrea and and that that doesn't look like really anybody else can kind of draw that story and the same thing with Dean on Black Hammer I can't th- I mean he's got you, you, you get the Kirby effects you get you, you get a little bit of everything you get some of the the homages to to some earlier Marvel or DC work and so and, and like you said you know they really you can't see and anybody else really drawing that story. So I, I kudos for like the guys mentioned earlier for, for getting the artists that really know how to handle your stories. But um, yeah, th- this is, I mean, as I, I love sweet tooth, but for some reason, I, I don't know if it's because it's, it's more human in air quotes, but I, I am just uh, the family. I may have some issues with everybody in the family, but I mean, the, the pikes are some of the most, honest and and true characters in comics today i think well thanks you know i i it was interesting that book was sort of a challenge to myself because i had done graphic novels like like that before but um you know the the serialized monthly stuff i'd done had always been you know well the sweet tooth and trillium were really the two books both sci-fi things and um so i was talking to eric stevenson about what i wanted to do next because i knew i wanted to do another monthly you know but we, we, he and I both sort of became intrigued. A lot of the monthly stuff, you know, and this isn't a criticism because I, I do it myself as well, but, you know, a lot of the monthly books, if they're not superhero books, they're either some kind of high-concept sci-fi book or high-concept fantasy book or horror book, you know, and and, um, and that's great. I do it, you know, with Descender and everything else, but it, we, we both became intrigued by me trying to do the stuff I do in my graphic novels, but on, like, a monthly basis and and could like a an essex county as a monthly comic mm-hmm. work you know and um and that was kind of like a challenge that i loved and um 
and if you look at t- television, you know, you were in this golden age of television right now where all these incredible television shows are, are being produced. And and if TV can have these successful, you know, dramas, why can't comics that, that aren't, you know, there aren't witches and, and robots running around, you know? <laughs> and I love witches and robots, but, you know, why can't there be a really good serialized drama as a comic there's why yeah. isn't why aren't more people trying it you know and so it, right it, if this is really us can be a, a worldwide tv phenomenon why can't that, yeah, exactly. yeah you know so it, that it's, was kind of my my challenge to myself and it's been really fun trying to find ways to make make it visually interesting and and add sort of a, a magical realist element to it through that and, and and sort of work with the the rhythm of a monthly book with cliffhangers and and, and sort of uh, chopping in these twenty-page chapters, and it, you know, the whole thing feels like a novel to me. And you're just getting one chapter a month, but um, it's been interesting. It's been, and the reception has been a lot better than I sales-wise. A lot. Better That's awesome. It's not like you know, a top ten book or anything, but when you're considering the the kind of book it is, it's doing quite well. So I'm it's glad. been rewarding, and I, I kind of hope more people, more creators, come try to do this kind of stuff on a monthly basis because that's the kind of stuff I would like to read more of, you know, you know, so it's, it's, I, um, I, we've also mentioned how, you know, some, if some books feel like image book or they feel like a dark horse book and this, I, this really doesn't feel like an image book and I don't, I, we don't have to go down that street. I don't want to put anybody's business out there, but why, why bring this? I would think, something like like owning your top shelf would love something like this from you how come image has it well if you want the blunt honest answer is image is the only place i can do work like that and own it 100 percent myself and not uh, have economics yeah not okay. have to share the money or with anyone and not if if a film or television deal is to be made not have to give a percentage of that to a publisher you okay. know I, it's 100 percent me and when I can do that, why why would you not do that? Sure. No, no, <laughs> yeah, no. I, exactly. I, I get you. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. The, and, you know, it, it's also, at this point now, I'll have like three or four books at Image every month. So you kind of build your own little brand within the I company. I love it. Almost. But, um, yeah, Image, I know, I got my, my complete Lemire, freedom. I, you know? I've had a Lemire Kent shelf in my comic <laughs> room for years, and, and I'm, I'm going to have to turn it into just a Lemire shelf and put a Kent, oh, make it a Kent I, shelf because I'm running out of room, that? dude. No, no, you should just... Uh, that would have been the best quote ever if it was. I used to have a Lemire Kent shelf, but now I'm going to have to do it just a Lemire You can make shelf. it that. Feel free to put that any <laughs> trade dress you want. Any trade dress you want. <laughs> uh, well, now when Jason, he'll have a Lemire and Kent wing. So it's, it's, oh, stop. stop. Don't um, be stupid. <laughs> as, he, as he circles around Hawaii again. But the, oh, the um, so, okay, which, and this is, it segues into uh, Black Hammer at at Dark Horse and you know yeah. horses um, Hellboy and 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 they have they had concrete and they you know, it's they're just certain things you would expect from Dark Horse how did and I don't I don't recall us ever meant at, at talking about this how how did Dark Horse end up with Black Hammer Yeah I don't know if I told you as a story or not but back I had just done Essex County um I was working on different ideas for what to do next you know thinking I'd do another book with Top Shelf or self-publish or whatever, you know, I still didn't have a quote-unquote career yet, so I was just kind of on my own still. And, um, you know, at the time, going back to something I said earlier, I just never thought I would be able to work for those bigger comic book companies. My art style is so, so idiosyncratic and 
you know, the kind of stories I, I was telling weren't really in sync with what the big two were doing back then. And, um, but I, I love superheroes and I love superhero comics and the history of superhero comics and so many different artists and eras of superhero comics that I just adore, you know, and so, and I, I kind of wanted to do something with that, you know? And so I thought, well, what if I did a superhero comic, but it was nothing like a mainstream superhero comic, but it was like Essex County, except with superheroes, you know, and I started working on this idea for black hammer and came up with all these characters and sort of the high concept of the book. And, um, I pitched it to, uh, well, like I said, I didn't really have a career back then. So I was kind of, I wasn't really in a spot where I could just start pitching things blindly to people. But I had Brent Warnock, who was one of the two publishers at top shelf lived in Portland and he was really tight with a lot of the dark horse people. Um, and he, he mentioned to me that Diana Schatz at dark horse, uh, was a big fan of Essex County and I should pitch something to her. So he, he kind of connected us and, Coincidentally, he also connected me with Bob Shrek, who was a Portlander, and Bob was working at Vertigo at the time. So I pitched Bob Sweet Tooth, and I pitched mm. Diana Blackhammer, uh, and um, I guess Vertigo was just quicker. They they greenlit Sweet Tooth right away, almost, and so I, I started doing that. And then shortly after, Diana came back and, and wanted to do Blackhammer with me, but I, I couldn't draw two things myself at the same time, obviously, so I had to tell her you know, one day I'd love to do it, but I, right now I'm doing this thing at Vertigo. And and then, you know, cut to 10 years later, I still love the idea, but, um, want, you know, but couldn't draw it myself because I was doing, uh, I don't know what I was doing. I was probably doing Trillium or whatever at the time, Roughneck mm, or yeah. something. And, um, but I really wanted to do it. And, and I just felt like, well, even though Diana wasn't at Dark Horse anymore, I just, since they supported the idea and greenlit it way back when I was nobody, you know, I felt like I owed it kind of owed it to them to at least pitch mm. it to them first and um mm -hmm. and also it was kind of part of that thing too where matt was at dark horse matt can't and matt and i are real close and uh he was having so much success with my management and so matt good. was also at valiant and having a lot of success there so it was like well matt's having fun with these two companies i should try working for them as well so it just seemed like a good opportunity to try working with dark horse and and then now it seems per it kind of seems like it was meant to be because, like you said, with the whole Hellboy universe and everything, it's kind of like the model for what we're doing with Black Hammer now with all the kind of world building and the miniseries and, and stuff. And it, it does feel like a great place for it. <clears throat> I think the setup for Black Hammer is simple, yet it's deceptively clever because yeah. a, a lot of the introductory work has been done by writers other than yourself. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah it's, so it's yeah, people ask me if it's is it hard coming up with all these characters and stuff, and it's like, well, no, I have eighty years of superhero comic <laughs> books <laughs> that right, I can draw right. from, and I can literally cherry pick the stuff I love the most, and then you know combine two characters together into a new character, and, and right, and then my my twist on it, you know, and my and you know, and then as you start writing, they become their own characters. Well, that's they, the thing, right? Start and to it, diverge from the from whatever their origin, you know, it was, but, yeah, but in terms of coming up with stuff, it's like, yeah, sure. I'll do a black hammer universe because mm -hmm. I can do anything that I love. And yeah. and, right. And the initial art, you know, a lot of the fun reading that those first six issues is finding or, or noticing who's based on who. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Right. Um, and my favorite is Barbalian. Oh, yeah. yeah. My favorite as well. Yeah. yeah, and you know, this sounds weird, but as 
in my teenage years, I always had the sneaking suspicion that Martian Manhunter was gay. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. And it's odd that you should do a, to use a Dave Sim term, a like a look from Martian Manhunter and make him, make him gay. And and I thought that was brilliant. Um, Well, that just came from, to me, the, since Martian Manhunter slash Barbie Ellie is a, uh, a shapeshifter to me his the core story there is identity, you know, and then hiding your, hiding something in your true face. And, and that just became uh, to me an obvious great comic book metaphor for being in the closet. And, and so that's, you know, it just kind of things stem from that, you know, but um, yeah, that's interesting that you thought that. Maybe on you know me. What? <laughs> no, I just said that maybe one on me because I, I don't know. I read into <laughs> things. But yeah. You're finding it, out a little bit more about Vince tonight. I mean, what's interesting about Black Hammer to me is that it seems like it's hard to escape the idea, though, of of this is so much about love to me. Like this is, it's like a, it's almost like a love story. This book because you've got, like, you've got Lucy trying to find her dad because she can't get over his disappearance. You've got, you know, everyone, everyone of the team in some way has a little bit of love story going on, right? You've sure. Got, yeah. You've got, you've got, you know, you've got, you know, you've got Slam, you know, with dating the waitress and. You know that triangle, and like you said, you've got you've got Barbie in love with the priest, who at least to this point is unrequited. You've got Gail falling in love with Barbie and getting wrong signals, but then you've also got Gail, you know, bitter over the fact that she had finally found a love with 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 Frankenstein, and you know, it just <laughs> seems like everybody's got their own like love narrative, either unrequited or 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 you know it, that it does seem to be a big part of the story. You've got you know you've got Madame Dragonfly and you know, essentially creating an analog of of Swamp Thing and falling in love with him, and then losing him, and then it's just uh, it definitely seems to be a big part of the book. Is that you know the, yeah. the heart is driving this book in a lot of ways? Yeah, they're all searching for a lot of different things. But yeah, the funny story about Sherlock and Gale, though, that was never in my original plan to have them be a thing. <laughs> okay, but it kind of came out later. Like it just seemed to fit, and it, and I started building on it. But then I had to go back and I looked at you should do it as well. Whatever the first appearance of. Sherlock, I think it's issue two. Um, we had never planned for him to be the love interest, so he's actually like very zombie-like, very ghoulish. Like yes, yeah. so and I, so I told Dean like, yeah, when we show him again, we have to like make him more like <laughs> less disgusting because <clears throat> I just can't, I couldn't picture Gail like kissing this worm-infested corpse, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, so we we kind of moved him away from that original look. But uh, yeah, so that wasn't part of the plan, but. The more you you get into the characters, the more you find things like that. Yeah, and I have to thank you because issue six is my favorite of of the the series to date, and the names of remind the remind me which one it is because I don't. It's the Madame Dragonfly issue. Okay. Yeah. Not only is she a horror host who talks directly to the reader. Yeah, you were loving that. I right? love that. But the 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 names of the two um, guys that go into the swamp. Sure. Yeah. Len and Bernie. I was like, he has a heart. He does. You have a heart, and it's it's just amazing. That that, that issue was fantastic. They're they're all good, but that one in in particular, it spoke to me. Um, yeah, I can go on all day about these characters. Like Gail, to me, it it's it's smart that you have flipped the Captain Marvel mythology on its head. Billy Batson became an adult. When he yeah. uttered the word Shazam, Gale becomes a child. Yeah. It, it, that's so neat. But she 
from the first issue, you made it clear that this is an older woman in a child's body. But her emotions, she starts to act like a child after a while. Yeah, it's like it kind of bleeds in. Like there's, it's still affecting. It starts to affect her, her in her emotional state, even though she's mentally and spiritually like a sixty-five-year-old woman or whatever. Yeah. yeah, she's still in the body of a child, and whatever that body chemistry probably affects things as well. So she starts to act more like a kid. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of and it, it presents <laughs> such jaw-dropping moments. You know, in the sense that just you know they're in the small town, and at first you start off with with almost baseline logical things of what happened where she's a little um she's she's a bit of a petulant student she steps you know she steps out she misbehaves then we see her smoking and then you know by the last issue or two uh you know she's she's on a bender in the bar she breaks into a bar and she's on a bender and like just <laughs> yeah. imagine how startling that would be if you're the bar owner and he walks in and sees what <laughs> to be like a, a pre-teen girl you know, absolutely lit and lacquered up in his bar. Like what, what shocking that would be in the real world. So I love how we're taking that to extremes. Yeah. She's, she's quickly become, I think almost everyone's favorite character. Um, yeah. I certainly love writing her. And I got to say you, you really shocked me with, with Lucy in the sense that because so black hammer was going on and then, and then, and then Sherlock started. And I thought there was going to be kind of like parallel. We were going to get a glimpse of, of Lucy doing her thing, trying to figure out what happened to her dad and then black hammer. And then bam, like Lucy shows up in, in the main book and I'm like, Oh snap. Yeah. And See, then, to know. me, she was always in my mind, the main character of the, the series and okay. the, the book's Nate really named for her, you know? And it's just like, but I thought it'd be fun to have the main character slowly introduced and have people not realize she was the main character until 12 issues in, you know? And, well, and, that worked for me. I mean, honestly, it, I didn't, until yeah. she grabs the hammer, I, I didn't, I didn't see it coming. So yeah, and then the new series, Age of Doom, which really is issue fourteen. It just sort of we needed a break because <laughs> Dean was behind. But um, that one, she she's obviously now has the hammer and, and, and knows things, and um, so she really becomes even more of the focal point of the of the story as well. Now this, everything kind of comes together, so that's it's exciting that we're we get to this point. For me as the writer, it got exciting to bring her in and put her into the mix. It's a great image too. That last page. Oh God, yeah, so yeah. I love Dean's design of her. It was really fun. We have a um, a self imposed rule when we do our awards, where um, although our audience doesn't follow these rules, we we, we don't we don't <laughs> give from now on. We don't give uh, best limited our favorite limited series. The series has to end in in the year to give it. Gotcha. So yeah. you were one issue away from from sweeping my. My best comic, best new comic, and best limited series. I couldn't give it to Sherlock because it didn't finish until this week. But, but uh, uh, you should have told me. I would have pulled some strings. You should have. <laughs> I would have published it but, December thirty first. But I got to tell you, first of all, you stuck the landing, which kudos because a lot of our 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 big complaint with our audience when they pick a lot of limited series is they pick them like that are halfway done, and lots yeah. of series are awesome, and they probably will end great. But you know, look, let's be blunt. We've all read a lot of comics. Sometimes. Limited series or or, or or whole series don't don't stick yeah. in. But anyway, I don't uh, know but, how. Just sort of sorry yeah. to interrupt, but I don't know how many times I've seen online like a book will come out and maybe like one, possibly two issues are out, and people are proclaiming it the best book of the year. Yes. Oh yeah, like, yeah. Slow down, slow down. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, uh, what was it? That, that, what was it? Oh, not, um, was it non-player? Was that? Was that the oh, one? yeah, not, non-player with the one issue. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, they're like, like there's only been a lot of non-players, right? One issue comes yeah, out. Yeah, they'll be yeah. like the first issue of something that comes out in December, right? And yeah. you see people's yeah. best of the year list, and it's like right. all these things that have right. been out. Like and then this one book that has one issue, and you're like, uh. well, we can listen. We we can blow him up because he's our boy. I mean, you know, Tom King's our good friend, and uh, and he he actually was our choice for for along with you for for best. He was he was best writer. You were best writer artist. Anyway, but but point being, I mean, so we got all the love for him, and we've loved what we've seen of Mister Miracle so far. But our our audience, I mean, hundreds of votes. I mean, the overwhelming choice for best limited series is Mister Miracle. And like totally cool. I mean, it's off to an amazing start, and it probably will yeah. finish. But it's it, but we got six issues of twelve. So yeah. my thing was like, I'm sure it's going to be phenomenal, and so I don't. I'm not like super mad that they picked it, but but it's just like, man. I mean, you know. Uh, yeah, I hear you. Yeah, but but importantly, but let's. I, I I'm sorry, I got you off topic. No, yeah. no, it's all good. Um, I'm sure you listen regularly, but just in case you're. <laughs> I have an insane, <laughs> insane artistic man crush on David Rubin. Oh, he I does! Bet. Holy crap, he does! Too. Yeah, I, I really it's do. Awesome. I think he is. He's like the. He's he's like the. You know, to me, he's like Paul Pope's European like like soul brother. Um, <laughs> and so I just adore the dude. I, in fact, I, I've, I've been trying to in, to get him to come on the show or do an interview for for like a year now, and he keeps saying he'd love to, but then like. I can't actually get him to like do it. Yeah, and then I hit him up. Jeff, and he's doing work with Matt, so it's like there's no time for you, Jeff. I know he's a busy dude. He's but, fast too, man. He's like <clears throat> he's maybe the one artist faster than me. He he did those Sherlock issues in uh, oh, maybe two weeks apiece. Like, you and Matt just, have have joint custody over him, or yeah, just we fight over him. Like, I think someone stole him away from us, though. Uh, John oh, Arcudi. oh, oh, John Arcudi. Yeah, with Rumble. Now, yeah, yeah, yeah but um, but but I you know I have to say I mean you, he obviously did the fill-ins um, if we're gonna call him that like the for Dean on the main book um, and then you know did Sherlock but um, but yeah I mean the dude is is crazy and I gotta say like just just that's you know the the you, the fourth issue um, you know you stuck the landing and I have to say that that book had a lot of like based on the title you I, I think people would be surprised they haven't read yet how much heart that that four issue story has. Yeah. Well, a lot of the miniseries will have titles that are very misleading. <laughs> yeah. They're like, you think it's one thing based on the genre or the, the, the cover. And it's, you know, that's sort of a black hammer's about though, is sort of taking these conventions and, and tropes and then revealing them to be something utterly different, you know, and that's the fun of the, the whole concept of the world. So the yeah, miniseries I mean, are no different. Yeah. You could just tell you're having fun. I mean, things like, like getting an origin of, you know, Cthulhu and he's, you know, a plumber, you know, and it's like he doesn't really want to like he's he's the he's the dark gods, you know, manifestation on this earthly plane. And he has no interest in doing anything. But his daughter is my favorite character, though, Cthulhu. She's she grew, she grew into something. I think I'm doing a one shot with. Um, oh, really? With Emmy Lennox, who I did Plutona with. She's oh, going to draw it of, of Cthulhu. And that's going to nice. be pretty. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so so kudos on that. I mean, the concrete Stador may be one of the best names ever. Uh, <laughs> I hope we get a one shot of him because that's awesome. I, but yeah, there's, there's there was some fun. A lot of that, like the miniseries themselves, weren't really planned until Dean got behind his schedule and, and David had to come in and do a couple fill-ins. So I had to kind of come up with new stuff for David to draw that would complement the series, but not because Dean really wanted to do all the main stuff, you know. And sure. um, 
so then you, you, you kind of come with, I came up with that one issue that was sort of the origin of, not the origin, but we went back and saw some more stuff of Lucy and, and that the whole Sherlock thing came out of just doing that fill-in issue. And then more miniseries came out of me having so much fun doing Sherlock. So things kind of just happen, you know, and, and it's been, it's been good, but we've, they've got, uh, I think we have two more miniseries being drawn at the moment, Black Camera, other than Dr. Star. And I can't wait to talk about them because they're both super fun. Um, yeah, so I'm excited about that. Yeah, well, try and steal uh, Rubin back at some point to work with him. I will. We've, we, he and I have been talking. Yeah, it's, we're definitely going to do something. It's ridiculous. Uh, need that man to sell me some of his art. David, if you listen to this, sell me some of your art. Of course he's going to listen to Jeff's on today. I guess you talk to him. Nice, do it up. Nice. Oh, well, I'll tell him never to answer your emails again. Oh, that's oh. <laughs> Um, this guy's really creepy. I think he's talking. Yeah, it's messed up. Going in. Uh, uh, so, so shifting to um, the big two mainstream stuff. I yeah. Now I'm looking forward to the Terrifics because I've I've missed Fantastic Four. But it's it's a it, you're working again with an extremely talented artist. I, I love the lineup. I'm I'm a huge Metamorpho fan. Um, obviously, it's a it's. Well, from Batman and the Outsiders days. I, I, I love the dude. No, I mean, you say, but how many people say that? I'm a gigantic well, metamorphosis. Obviously, fan. I say that. <laughs> See, thank I, you. I, I said it's Dan DeVito, and thus the Terrifics. Okay, so thank you. So that's, that's what I was, because I, th- this is where I was heading, is that obviously, you know, Plastic Man we saw in the shape of an egg in, in metal, and, uh, and and these, the eight or so books that are, are kind of like stemming from or spinning off from, from metal, whatever, but it, it's, um, of all of them, because I didn't, I, I didn't check out Damage. I believe one of us on the show did, but it, we're not going to talk about it. The the uh, so I'm really looking forward to the Terrifics for a few reasons, and and you are definitely one of them, Jeff, because of who the characters are in the book. Is is this is this your Fantastic Four? Or are you just kind of having fun with the characters in the DC? Yeah, it was kind of fun. I, it started off as me asking about Metamorpho because I thought I could do a really cool Metamorpho book, but I was told that as much as we all love Metamorpho. He probably wouldn't sell very well, which I had to, I had to agree with. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So then we started talking about just different ideas. Well, what you know, he works better on a team, so maybe we have like a fun team book of oddballs, and it quickly turned into this this having fun with this Fantastic Four kind of thing, where we you know Mr. Terrific and Plastic Man, a Phantom Girl, and you know, so you're kind of playing off. Obviously, we're playing off the Fantastic Four. And, but in a fun way. I mean, that's the spirit of the book is really that kind of big fun adventure book with a lot of heart. And, and once the after the initial sort of similarities and characters' powers or appearances with the FF, they really are their own characters, and the book yeah. doesn't really really feel like a FF book at all once you start reading it. But yeah, the the initial sort of high concept lineup is obviously a, a fun sort of wink to it. But the uh, characters. So. With with you having written ten issues so far, um, and without brewing any future sales, are, are is this is are you able to make it its own thing, or is it kind of tied into what else is going on? Yeah, no, I mean it's, it's totally its own thing. I sweet. I, I'm not aware. Of, I honestly don't know anything else that's going on in, <laughs> in the DC universe right now. I'm not privy <laughs> any. I, I haven't really been involved in like the big universe building stuff like I used to be. Um, I'm mostly doing creator own stuff now, so this is sort of my one fun big two book, and I just sort of, like I said, I mean, I wrote ten issues a while ago, 
well before they even knew probably what they were doing this year in the DCU. So I guess that answers your question. You know, other than yes, the initial, thank you. Other than the initial sort of um, catalyst for stuff spinning out of metal, like I, I had mm-hmm. to know that stuff so I could kind of make the jumping off point be something that came up. Well, then can you make any sense of metal for us? Because uh, I haven't read it yet. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. No, that's fine. Yeah, I read the first couple scripts when Scott was working on them. Um, I'm I'm woefully behind on my my comic reading right now, so I haven't I'm not up to date on this stuff. Yeah, I haven't really been involved in the big DC universe building stuff. So, uh, yeah, the book really is just kind of its own own little thing. I love you know, it. Okay. Now, so. Do do you you know you mentioned that that things like um. Norton from from Gideon Falls or or Black Hammer as a concept have have been percolating in your mind in some form or fashion for a decent amount of time. So, um, like, how do you how do you encapsulate these ideas other than just keeping them in your head? I mean, do you have like a notebook of ideas to pitch at certain times? Like, do you have um, two or three books that you want to draw yourself that you know again, like you you knew you couldn't draw Black Hammer back then because you were doing Sweet Tooth, but but you knew you'd do it someday. Like, do you have two or three other series yeah. or ideas that you're like, I'm going to draw these at some point when I have a chance? Kind of. I mean, I have sketchbooks and journals and stuff, and I always mm-hmm. come up with stuff, and then certain ideas sort of stick and start to kind of grow, and um, some of those are things I, I look for, I, like, I kind of look ahead, and like, when I'm done Royal City, I'll probably do one of these two things, you know, and, and, and then there's other things that I had worked on in the past that I thought maybe I would draw, but, you know, something else came up, and so then I've, you know, I've reached out to artists and sort of hooked up with an artist on them. And, but yeah, I mean, you just sort of, the, the good ideas kind of keep coming back and you keep thinking about them. And then there's, you know, dozens of ideas for every good one that you just think of one day and think they're great, but then never think of them again. So sure. <laughs> the, the good ones stick, you know, they generally stick or two or three kind of little ideas might kind of morph into one good idea when you mix them together, you know, that happens too. But mm-hmm. yes, yeah, things just kind of, the good ones kind of come back. What's your, um, what are your what are your views on on your original art in the sense that I mean I own some of it I mean you sell it obviously you sell it um, through you know through a rep and um, you know every every artist or creator has totally different views ranging from like the Walt Simonson I've never sold a page that I've ever done mm-hmm. you know to people that literally the second that the book hits the stands they blow out all the art so I mean yeah. do you have like any kind of like. Do you have any perspective one or the other? It seems like you're relatively open to just letting it go. I mean, do you not? No, I, I kind of mix it. Where I kind of, it's like half and half. I, I mean, I do so much stuff. There's no point in me keeping it all because it would just pile up. And at this point, there'd be thousands of pages of stuff that would just be sitting there. And um, so I kind of do a mix where the, you know, I'll select certain things that I really love that I keep. So. You know, I kept the first and the last issue of Sweet Tooth, for instance. So I have all the full first and last issue, and then I let everything else go. And like, you know, so I have something from that. And I kept all of Underwater World, or so I have like a complete graphic novel. Okay, okay. For sold, for instance. Uh, so like, you know, you, you kind of keep little things. And there's always one page from each issue that I'll keep, like my favorite page or something. So, mm-hmm. but I just can't, I can't keep it all. And and it is also a, a good extra income you know when you're for sure you can kind of do a bit of both and so this way you know i'll have some kept and then i am also you know getting it out there and making some money off it and i, I wouldn't even know where, what to do with it all if i didn't get rid of some of it because it's just it really does pile up 
Uh, the idea of a room full of your art that I just get to swim in is nice. I'm picturing that for a second. <laughs> yeah. It's like Scrooge's money days. bin. <laughs> uh, that would be like my Scrooge McDuck money bin. That would be great. Do you uh, do you ever trade art with other people or collect oh, other God, people's art? You should see my... You guys would see <laughs> my studio. Dude, uh, talk about my it. My studio is basically an art comic art gallery. It's, oh. I'll have to send you guys some pictures. I, yes. I've spent the last 10 years... That's like my one thing where... You know, I don't spend money on anything really except the necessities, except mm-hmm. for art is where I have a weakness. So I, I'm, I've slowly kind of accumulated a pretty amazing collection. Um, I got pretty much everyone <laughs> at this point. Yeah, a lot of it's through trade, or a lot of it'll be things that, a lot of it are books that I wrote, you know, that artists will give me stuff, but then there's there's stuff I've sought out and, and mm. collected as well. My, I kind of got my uh, my... Holy Grail thing at San Diego this year <clears throat> when I went, I got a page from Crisis on Infinite Earth. So that was oh, sort of oh, I know. Nice. So I wanted yeah. a, a Perez thing forever, but I didn't want. I wanted you know it either had to be Crisis or the classic uh, Titan stuff because that sure. meant so much to me as a kid. But that stuff's very expensive. <clears throat> but I did find a really cool Crisis page that was very expensive, but not ludicrously so. <laughs> I, I, I don't know where you get and divorced I, over it. So it's. Is it, it? Is it? What issues are from? Oh, it's issue eleven. So if you know the series, oh, it's issue oh, eleven when sure. it's uh, the two Supermen, like the Golden Age Superman and and mm-hmm. one, they go to Keystone City and find Jay Garrick because no one else remembers the crisis at this point, and they yes they go to Jay's backyard and Joan is barbecue. oh no with the grill yeah it's that that page that it's is exciting. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I'm going to so, Canada tonight. Dude, you have to send pictures, man. I will, yeah. I got some great stuff and uh, I've done I've a lot of it I've commissioned from, from people too. I'll get like people to commission people to do sweet tooth or, or black camera characters or and yeah, it's pretty cool. Like, and I absolutely stuff. hate all of you bastards that draw for a living and <laughs> create art. It's it's so I'm so jealous. Like I'll be at a table at a at a con talking to peeps and like Two artists would be like, "Yo, man, I'm gonna swap this with you," and I'm like, "Fuck all of you guys!" Like, I'm like I, I need to learn how to draw because I'm, I'm trading y'all as ducats. I'm just giving y'all my yeah. green. It's uh, it's pretty fun. Yeah, it's gotten to the point where I honestly don't have any room. My walls are full in my studio, and now I just have like a portfolio case during the. I was gonna say stuff, plenty of room portfolios. I hate that because it's like you don't really get to enjoy it. It's just like put away somewhere, you know. So it's. And I really have, the, I had like this list of all my favorite artists that I, and I pretty much, I think, checked almost everyone off. Oh my God, that's awesome. Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty great. I'll send you guys some, some photos tomorrow. Do you have any Rubin? Did you do anything with him? I don't actually, yeah, I don't have anything. Oh, besmirching him. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, jeez. <laughs> what are you, his union rep? I am his union rep. Relax. <laughs> yes. Relax. That's awesome. Uh, I'm glad I asked that because that's great. Uh, Jeff, uh, one book we haven't talked about is uh, Thanos that, oh, yeah, that, that you did at that. Marvel. Yeah. Uh, you essentially deconstructed Thanos and built him up over the course of 12 issues. Uh, I, is there any other big two character to which you'd like to do the same treatment? I don't have like a list of characters I'd love to do. It's more like sometimes you get offered things and they, and then these ideas come from that. You know, I, I don't, I don't sit around dreaming of doing, you know, Jack of hearts or something for Marvel. It's like, uh, you know, like Thanos wasn't something I'd ever really thought about, but then it gets offered to you and it becomes interesting or green arrow was the same. Um, 
So no, I don't really have like a list. I, I think I used to more. Like when I first started, I had this big list of characters I'd love to get my hands on. But then sometimes like the reality of getting your favorite characters is it's not as great. <laughs> you know, you get you, sometimes it's the ones you you haven't really thought much about that end up being the most rewarding, like Bloodshot or Green Arrow or whatever. You know, right, um, right. And then sometimes like Constantine is like my favorite character, right? And then I got to write him, but it was sort of I could never really do what I wanted to do with him for various reasons and it was sort of frustrating you know so you, sometimes just be careful what you wish for and and you get offered something that you never really thought much about and it become it can become really interesting to you um you find ways into it you know like thanos or bloodshot so i'm just more open to things you know when i talk to those people at marvel dc now and just kind of seeing what's out there and if something really really clicks i'll go for it all right well, what were your uh, favorite books growing up Oh, uh, yeah, I was a big, big Teen Titans fan as a kid. Nice. So all the Perez and, and Wolfman Titans, uh, huge. Oh, I, I know a book we haven't talked about, which kind of is part of this answer. I, I was a huge Keith Giffen fan. So like his Legion stuff and <laughs> uh, everything Sweet. he did. Uh, do you guys know that I'm doing a book with him? Have you heard about this book? No. no. Yeah. no. All right. So n- not a lot of people heard about this. We got They announced it at New York. But it's it kind of like flew under the radar. Um, so Keith and I are doing the Inferior Five for DC. Oh, great! Uh, oh, nice. <laughs> but I'm I'm writing and plotting, and Keith's drawing it. Um, In what style, though? But, is he drawing? Yeah. He he has a new inker, and it's a little different from. Yeah. I can't really pinpoint what style it is, but it looks good. Um, the best part is for me is I'm I'm drawing a backup story in every issue. Featuring so this is the, the high concept in Fury of Five is it's not the Fury of Five you probably remember from the the Silver Age it's our own sort of take on it and it's um it's kind of like Stranger Things or Goonies or it but it's set in the DC universe of 1988 so it's uh, all the books that DC was publishing in 1988 are the backdrop of our story and oh. the the invasion if you remember that miniseries yes. that, that Keith wrote co-wrote. That has just happened, and it, it follows this group of kids who, whose homes were destroyed during the invasion, and they all are relocated to this small town, and this small town is sort of like <clears throat> insane things are going on in this town, and, and they're kind of caught up in it. Um, yeah, like all the books from 88, so like Suicide Squad and, and Captain Adam and all these things, they're kind of in the background, but the story focuses on these kids. And then the backup features that I'm drawing will feature the character the peacemaker i don't know if you guys remember yes that. Yes. Yeah. yes you so killed the vigilante you killed adrian chase yeah. yeah i'm doing these peacemaker backup strips that seem unconnected at first but then as we get into the series they will obviously connect to the main story and, and keith and i are kind of working on um so yeah that that book is just like this insane <clears throat> kind of book that you can't believe dc's actually publishing <laughs> they are uh it's been really fun and they're I'm not even writing scripts for Keith. We just get on the phone and talk, and then <laughs> he'll go off and draw the issue. And a month later, he'll send it to me, and it's like half of it is like what we talked about, and then half of it is stuff we never talked about at all, and I have to come up with dialogue. <laughs> so it's like, which sounds like a mess, but it's actually really fun. It's like this weird, spontaneous kind of playing off each other, and uh, it's been really, really fun because you know the, the the meta kind of fun of it is that in, in '88 I was what. Uh, 12 years old or something so i was i was reading all these comics i was a huge dc fan so i was reading all these books and keith was writing half of them you know and now we're we're working together and 
doing this book set in that era. It's it's really fun. Is it's it gotta one be of surreal, the... right? Oh, I'm sorry. It is surreal. It's completely surreal. Every yeah. time I get on the phone with him, it's like I can't believe. You know, you guys, you know, you're all comics fans, so you have all your favorite artists from when you were kids. You know, and can you imagine not only meeting them but just becoming like friends and peers and working with them and then writing for them? You know, it's it's so bizarre, it's so cool. Well, there's yeah. definitely. I mean. You mean on a much smaller level? I mean, much much smaller than what actually getting to work with them professionally. I mean, uh, I feel like that's been the case, like in the sense that um, you know, I mean, since we've been doing this, it's it's uncanny how many writers, including yourself, uh, and artists that that were doing comics, which is why we knew you, but like have kind of risen to the forefront. You know what I mean? I mean, like you know, you probably know. I mean, like Scotty Young's a great friend of ours, and mm-hmm. you know, he's, he's killing it now, and you know, Remender, I mean, God, I mean, I felt like we were, we were pimping Remender, you know. I remember, yeah, for, you're, for I used stuff to and, and, you know, dude was, yeah. you know, was, was having trouble make, you know, making, making ends meet, you know, and, and ended up, but now it's just, it's just super cool to see all of you guys like, you know, Tom King literally used to come to cons and drink with us and, 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 you know, sell his novel at Comic-Cons and, you know, you're like, what's a guy doing selling his novel at a Comic-Con and now yeah. dude is like, you know, arguably... You know, right, right up there with with you know with with Scott in terms of like the DC writer pantheon. It's yeah, like he's it's, great. I'm happy. For yeah, him. So, I, I don't know Tom at all, but it's just uh, I like when I see, you know, you just do Tom right away when he did uh, whatever. The, I I didn't read the Nightwing, or I guess it wasn't Nightwing when he was doing it. It was Grayson or whatever. Yeah, but, Grayson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What did he do after that? It was uh, the, the Omega Men. Um, yep. As soon as that hit, I could see a voice there, you know, and, and it's sure. so good when you see, you see those. Those creators that really have a voice and a point of view succeed, and mm-hmm. Tom obviously had immense talent. So it's it's awesome to see him what he's become so quickly. You know, it's, it's really cool. Yeah, yeah. that's just well, as that, a someone just as respect from one creator to another. I don't know him personally at all. That's this other cool thing about comics is that, um, you know, like so many of the people creating comics now were diehard comic fans, and so there's this there's this interesting evolution where you guys get to play with characters that, like you said, I mean, they've existed forever in their IP, so they're never going away. So you get to kind of put your own spin on it, but you're also informed by the era that you started reading comics. For sure, you know? yeah. Like, you're like that. I mean, Remender's like that, right? Like, when Remender was doing Uncanny X-Force and stuff, like, he yeah, was you doing shit that we all cared about because he grew yeah. up loving, like, the Liefeld and the Sylvester stuff. So <clears throat> yeah. he worked with those characters, and that's, like, our wheelhouse. and. So, I mean, that's super cool. I mean, I, you know, at least for if you're age contemporaries like we are. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's fun to be able to take the things you love and work it into your work and pay homage to it. You know, that's a big part of Black Hammer is that, you know. And, um, yeah, it, it's pretty cool to be a fan of, of the thing you get to do every day. <laughs> is uh, feel pretty lucky, of, you know, that's for sure. Yeah. So your, your son's like probably, I think he's right around my youngest son's age. So he's like eight or nine now, right? Yeah, he's, he'll be nine in a couple weeks. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Mine just turned nine. So, like, does is he at the point now where he's? I mean, does he is he into comics at all? Do you expose? He him? is really getting into the Star Wars stuff, the Marvel Star Wars. Okay. He's a huge Star Wars fan, so I bring I bring home the Star Wars stuff, and he's really into that. Um, of my work, I, he obviously can't read a lot of it yet because mm-hmm. it's not appropriate. <laughs> but, uh, the one, the it's funny. The one book he just fucking loves and cannot stop looking at is Frankenstein, Agent of Shade. It's like. Oh, yeah, nice. He is like dog earing every copy of that that I have left because he just adores that book and he like he wants to write Frankenstein comics and he and his friends. He tells Sweet. his friends. 
the, the most obscure DC comic ever, but to him and his friends in his school, it's like the only comic they know. You know it's That's pretty, great. Yeah, does, you, does, you, does your wife read comics at all? No, she does not read comics. Yeah. She doesn't even read my comics anymore. It's, that's gotten to that point. She used yeah. to, but now I just write too much stuff. And she's just like, <laughs> if I draw, she'll read the stuff that I draw, but like anything else, she just, you know, yeah. She's not, she can't take the superhero stuff anyway. So. No, I, I, before, I, no, I, I don't mean to cut you off. The no, You mentioned the backup for Inferior 5 that, that you're yes. drawing. Are you also writing it, or is Keith writing it? Oh, yeah, no, I'm writing and drawing that. And oh, I, I would have loved it if you guys switched it up. But that's yeah. That's but you know the, the other funny weird meta thing about that, which I didn't know anything about this, was back. Do you guys remember uh, Action Comics Weekly? Yes. Uh, they, yes. So this was that would have been around this, the same time as this, you know, '88 or whatever. Uh, I guess Keith was Keith, kind of like when they did Wednesday Comics, they had like an emergency backup strip that in case someone missed their deadline, they'd slot this thing in, right? And Keith did it, and it was Peacemaker. So Keith drew this Peacemaker strip <clears throat> that it was never published back in 88. And I had no idea when I proposed the whole Peacemaker thing for this book. He, I think he'd almost forgotten. And we were working on it for a couple weeks, and he started talking about this Peacemaker thing he had done. Um, <clears throat> and it was just another surreal, weird meta connection. But then he sent me a, a page of the original art as a gift of his Peacemaker thing, his unpublished Peacemaker uh, strip. So that was pretty cool. That is awesome. Awesome. Um, you know, normally I guess when we have a friend on and, and there's we, we veer into the uh, TV movie realm, but usually it's we ask the question, and then you have to say I can't really talk about it. But uh, I would be remiss to at least not ask if you can give us any updates on the Descender film at Sony. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. The for someone who went to film school and then wanted nothing to do with it, I've all this film things happening lately, but the. Um, so Descender and AD are both at Sony. Um, excuse me, I'm losing my voice here. Um, and then Plutona and Welder and Essex are all optioned and in development as well. But yeah, Descender seems the furthest along at Sony. It's got The screenplay has been written, and there is a director attached at this point, but uh, I don't think I'm allowed to talk about who the director is. Yeah, yet. Like, yeah. You know how that goes. So yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely you know, moving, um, but... With all things Hollywood, it's just sort of a mystery to me how it all works, and I just don't honestly don't think about it because it's out of my control, and uh, we just yeah. I assume like does your agent just sit you down and say, "Listen, (laughs) these things take forever if they ever materialize," or like yeah, like yeah, we get up excited, but don't like think about it. Yeah, and you know, I I took the opinion or sort of the attitude early on that unless I can control it completely, I just let it go. So the all the movie stuff, it's like, if any of it ever happens, that's cool, you know, maybe you'll bring more attention to the book, but if it doesn't, you know, I've already written the story I wanted to write, so I'm happy, you know. But yeah, it, you know, if it happens, I'm sure it'll be very exciting, but it's not something I that keeps me up at night, that's for sure. It, it, you know, I, I don't think about it quite, unless I have to. So. But yeah, it's cool. I, I guess it's hap- it's moving, you know, who knows if it'll ever happen. They say it could take like five to seven years for something to, to get developed to the screen, so who knows. That's great. You know, it's it's as I think back on on you know the times that the time that we've known you, and uh, it, it feels like there's been like this interesting evolution where uh, and like it's same with you and and Remender and like you you guys all kind of like were doing your thing, then you went and did the big two thing exclusively for a while, and then you went back to creator owned and like there were these 
interesting moments where, especially when you guys were first doing the the big two stuff exclusively, like not to say that your demeanors change, but like I think there's like this period of time when, especially as younger creators and like you're trying to make this a career, it almost you get like super serious because you're not really quite sure like where the line is. And now you've all kind of gotten to the point where you're successful enough and doing your own stuff again, where you're just like totally at ease with your career and like, you know, what well, you're doing. yeah, there's a freedom that comes with, with creator own success that guys like Rick and I have had where you, you're not relying on those big companies for your, to feed your family anymore. And that, <laughs> that yeah. it's pretty nice, you know, where, I mean, I, I love those characters. And I like working for both those companies. Um, you know, I've had ups and downs, obviously, at both, but I, I think anyone does at any job, right? But, um, you know, it's it's nice to not uh, not have to do that stuff, but you only do it when you want to do it, and, you, you know, it, that makes a big difference. And um, you're not living out of fear of what your next gig is all the time, where you can kind of, like, if something cool like the Terrifics comes along or the Century or Five book, like, I can do them, but I, I'm not, you know, <clears throat> it's not something I have to do, and that's, that's a sure. great it's kind of the place you you dream of getting to. So it's, I feel very lucky to be there for sure. Yeah. So other than the, uh, you know, that Gideon and, and what we've talked about in terms of, um, you know, the, the black hammer minis and stuff. I mean, is there anything else that's, uh, hitting that we haven't touched on that's coming up? Oh God. I don't know. I always forget sometimes what's coming up. I think we kind of hit it all. All the stuff I announced, anyway. There's a, there's a couple more Black Hammer minis that we'll probably start announcing soon. Nice. One of them I can't wait to talk about because it's like a real, real. You'll see when you you'll know when you hear. It's pretty fun. And then uh, yeah, there's. I mean, I'm working on some creator on stuff that you know. There was a book with Phil Hester. Yeah, if you guys know Phil, sure. Um, yeah. <clears throat> he and I announced an image book called uh, The Family Tree last year. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and we were supposed to do it in March, but. Uh, both of our schedules kind of got nutty. Phil got it, got offered the Batman Beyond thing at DC, and um, other things came up for me, so we kind of pushed it. But he and I are still tinkering, and I think we're now we're aiming for this fall, you know, to, to try to launch that at Image. So that'll be another another cool one. Uh, nice. Phil's pretty awesome. So Phil is another avid, uh, as you probably know, art collector. Art collector. Yes. Oh yes. He and I were in a bidding war with each other last month. <laughs> That's funny. <Yeah. laughs> I won for the record. Just oh. <laughs> Thank you so much for clearing that up. <laughs> What's your, uh, I mean, it's, it's only January now, but what does your uh, convention schedule look like for the year? It's, it's kind of a weird year. I'm doing a bunch of shows. You're doing heroes. Uh, though, right? No, I'm not doing heroes. I'm, I'm uh, on, I know. Sorry. I'm not doing a lot of us shows this year. I'm doing a big thing in May where I go to Germany and Italy for, a couple weeks doing a bunch of book signings and stuff so nice. with with that happening uh it's kind of hard to do a lot of shows so I'll, I'll probably just do san diego uh and i think that might be my only my only north american convention this year because uh, i got the european stuff and then I, if there's something in the fall i forget what it is oh i'm going to brazil in, in december oh so. sorry okay yeah that's yeah so we'll see between those two big shows yeah <laughs> I'll see you guys. Yeah, I'm bringing you all, didn't I? You guys didn't. didn't That's cool. Yes. No? Hey, I have no problem you with that. Trip, you get a trip. You get a trip. Nice. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. So this 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 is a year I'm kind of taking off. I, I don't do a lot of cons anyway, to be honest. I, I just. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm so busy, and I I prefer to be home working and um, with my family and stuff, so I don't travel a lot. But 
Yeah, I know. I try to do one or two a year, but this year I'll probably skip most of them, to be honest with you. That's all right. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. That's right. Nice. Well, listen, man. Uh, again, you I know, have a got... confession to make. I, I feel kind of guilty. I've been uh, watching a hockey game the whole time we've been talking. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Sorry, guys. oh, that's all right. <laughs> but someone okay. has to watch hockey. At least yeah. it's not football. <laughs> but you guys are good luck. Yeah, you, as yeah, I mean, Vince. Vince is very upset, Jeff, because uh, my other love is oh, is, is football. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not upset. And and the Eagles, who are, I'm a I'm a season ticket holder. They're in the Super Bowl, as you may have heard. And uh, and it upsets it upsets Vince a lot because Vince hates football season because he feels like it takes away my focus from the show. And now I like that. The, I like Vince's dedication to this. Thank yeah. you. And because the Eagles are in the Super Bowl, he's upset because it extends the time that with. I my, think Vince my, is right. I think you should make a choice. Uh, I think we should cut him for the team, shouldn't we? That is not an ultimatum. Well, either he either, either needs to commit 100 percent or he's out. Jeff, That's he was. Not, that what is are you not doing every Wednesday night, Jeff? Put upon I'll me. do it. I'll take this place. Nice. Oh. <laughs> there you go. I know that's not what you expected when you invited me on, Jason. Listen, if y'all guarantee me that the Eagles win the Super Bowl in a week and a half, then uh, I may take you up on that. <laughs> <laughs> I've been waiting my whole life for that, but. Jeff, he was doing his fantasy football draft on the show one episode. That's just rude. Am I right? You're talking to a guy who has been watching hockey, but yeah, yeah, he's got Wait, time out. Jeff just admitted to watching a hockey game. I know. He's probably, he's probably drawing uh, pages of Royal City while watching hockey. But there was uh, there was no dinner at the same time. So no, but there was no noticeable distraction. No, there really wasn't. You're no, right. we get uh, click, click 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 click. Damn, I wanted that guy. Click 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 like. <laughs> You got you lack focus. That's what I'm saying. Well, not that it's down. anybody's business, but but uh, I do make a reasonable amount of of income from fantasy football. So so you know you want to start. You want to give me a raise, Vince, and I'll stop. Doing well, this. I don't need to do that now because Jeff is replacing you. Okay, all right, fair enough. Fair enough. I haven't told you how much you have to pay me, Vince. It doesn't matter. I'll pay it. I don't oh, okay. think Vince can afford your page rate, Jeff. <laughs> What's that supposed to mean? <laughs> I'm saying I think Jeff's got a high page rate. That's all right. I'll pay it. Oh, I mean, DCPS is a great sponsor and all that. <laughs> 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 kind of oh, we've descended into chaos. It's okay. <laughs> but uh, I was just going to say that you know, Jeff, as as you as you know, we have uh, great affection for you, and um, congratulations on your 15th and 16th 11 o'clockers. I know Thank that's... you. I'm looking forward to the 17th and 18th. Yeah, I mean, not. To, we, I don't want to get cocky, but yeah, we figured like, <laughs> who needs? I do have. I've left space for it. Got a cluster, right? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> this has been awesome, and yes. uh, thanks, Greg. Thank you for being here with us, and thank you for continuing to write Bloodshot. Welcome, and don't forget, and don't forget only to pre-order. All of you direct market people that pre-order Gideon Falls, uh, which is, uh, I believe it's probably, this is the final order cutoff coming, right? Yeah, so. right around this week or next. Yeah. yeah. It's around now. So, yeah, any pre-orders always help. I, I really appreciate it, for sure. Well, I ordered 112 copies, so we're good. Oh, you're a good man. Yep. I'm going to cancel it, though, now that you're kicking me off the show and replacing <laughs> me. <so. laughs> I'm, I'm getting on the phone with Christina after the after we say I'm canceling. Oh, yeah. Thanks for putting up with us, Jeff. Hey, anytime, you guys. It's always fun. Yeah, thanks so much. So uh, enjoy 
the much deserved success. And uh, we look forward to, uh, to uh, praising your work in the uh, coming months. Thanks guys. We'll talk again. I'm sure soon. Absolutely. Absolutely. Have a great night, Jeff. Have a great night, sir. Thanks, man. Yeah. So we have a, um, first of all, huge thanks to Jeff. You're going right in. I am, man, because, you know, the, the, the listeners enjoyed the interview with Jeff, if you want to call it that. I mean, hope so. You're being presumptuous, but. I am. I am. And, and well. We know Raph didn't enjoy it. That is true. That is Shout true. Shout out to I, Raph. I, I think you're going to hear this because he turned the episode that, off. Yeah. Mario's going to enjoy it, though. I know that. So, so shout out to Mario. But uh, speaking of shout outs, um, the, uh, we have a few, a couple few people who have joined in on uh, what is, is this the Illuminati or mm-hmm. what tier is okay? This, so the Illuminati level on the uh, on eleven o'clock comics dot com, or they're on the wall of appreciation on eleven o'clock comics dot com. But you can also join them by going to patreon dot com slash eleven o'clock comics. So Vince, kick us off. Who's our first shout out? Our first shout out goes to Lars Schwed Nygaard. I, I probably I probably butchered it, but I think that's right. They'll let you shwed, know. We have a shwed in our hometown, and it's spelled the same way. So sweaty, sweaty. We have a uh, a Jeff Davidson. <laughs> we do. Well, I don't know why Vince is laughing at that. All Jeff all the time tonight. <laughs> no, we have a. Hey, what well, we do? It is. Well, his name is A. Period. <laughs> Jeff Davidson. <laughs> no, it's just Jeff Davidson. But yes. I assume the answer for uh, Aloysius, but enjoyed it over here. And last but certainly not least, Mr. Frank Lanza Jr. Nice. What? Thank you all. Seriously, <laughs> thank, thanks for thank, the thank, thank you very much. We're, we're a little silly. We're a little post-interview silliness. No, yeah. yes, it's it's very silly. The behind-the-scenes stuff, yeah. Look, it was a long day, and maybe yeah. maybe the wine is going to my head. Maybe. Maybe. Mm-hmm. I believe it. I believe it. You know, I want to talk about something. What you want? I'll speak on it. I'll talk about last night's class. I, I didn't watch it yet. Oh, bro. You're killing me. I don't have time to watch TV, but I will. Whatevs. I know. What I have been making time to do is I'm revamping the man cave. Nice. And, and, be, and as we all know, when we do things like this, the first step is to what? catalog all the freaking books that we've let built <laughs> up over in my case it's been since i did it from scratch it's been a long time because i was using another program yes before i switched to comic collector cbz yep. clz it's, uh, sorry clz and oops Freudian slip right and uh <laughs> Well, don't forget. Okay, as says, since you mentioned CLZ, um, comic collector, awesome software, awesome website. Uh, you can also do like Vince and catalog your comics by going to uh, either hitting up our website and clicking on the CLZ plus EOC header at the top of the page, um, What's happening? or just go to collectors dot com. Enter coupon code CLZ. 11 spell out 11 and uh you will uh you will get a discount on um on your purchase for either the um 
the desktop software, uh, which you can then bundle with your mobile app or the web version. But in any case, Vince, please continue. Dude sticks a commercial. I do. (laughs) That's right, baby. Come on. (laughs) When was the last time we talked about CLZ? I got to hit it while we can. Okay. Hit it and quit it. Um, That's right. But no, I'm, I'm cataloging my books. And they're all getting moved to a cedar-lined closet in another room in the house. It, it's a giant closet, and um, which will make room for new bookshelves, um, a nice leather recliner. So I'm revamping everything. But anyway, the point of this long-winded introduction is I love to revisit old books. Yes, you do. Whether it's just physically touching them and seeing the covers and noting the number and entering it into the software and then putting it back in the box. I love to, because when we, we buy these books, we read them, we love them, we enjoy them, and we put them in a bag and a board and stick them in a box. And how long is it until we touch these things again? Sometimes never, depending well, on... Most of, most of the time, never. Right. Sadly. Yeah. So in my mind, when they go into the box, they go into limbo. It's like the Phantom Zone. Mm-hmm. They don't exist anymore until I go back and actually touch them. And I like to do this every so often to remind me, one, that I spent a shit ton of money on, on paper in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. And, and two, you know, you'll just get a cover. And I'll use Crisis on Infinite Earths as an example because Jeff talked about it. And you pull it out of the box and you're like, I know exactly where I was when I bought this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I remember all the events after I took this thing home, and it, it's just—it's just a nice way to revisit. It's—it's it's the Wayback Machine. That's where we're all looking for the Wayback Machine. But I've been having a hell of a time this weekend, just having fun, looking at my old books. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, stop. No. But it, <laughs> Do you get me though? Are you getting? I do. Are you I picking do. up? No, on them? seriously. No, absolutely. Because I, I did the same thing as I was um, prepping the uh, the packages for the patrons, and and I would like you know throw put a couple things to the side and then go. Oh, I remember reading this. So let me flip through it again. And you do. You just get you get sucked in. You get uh, time just absolutely gets away from you. Um, but I'm I'm doing the same thing as every so often. I'll I'll. Um, I'll go through what I've cataloged and I'm like, I kind of want to read that for the show. And it's, it, it's funny. It's and as fellow comic book fans will absolutely get this, but it, it would seem odd to someone where it's like, you know, you have, you, you have two piles of books of news stories you haven't read and you're going to take the time and reread something you read a decade ago. And, and it's like, yeah, because it's just, I want to revisit I, I, I want to remember what that felt like. I mean, I I know exactly where I was when I read the first when I bought the first issue of Power Pack, or I read an, or, or I bought an issue of Hex off the newsstand, or Batman in the Outside. I mean, it could be there are so many comics from from the eighties that I, I tell you just like that where I was, where I bought it when 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 that issue yeah. came out. And, you have the whole run of Hex. I I did. I don't think I do now. Because that, that's I know your, I don't have now. But yeah. That's your boy Tex, who did most of it. it, it uh, um, the well, last, before, I think the last four Giffen issues 
Yeah, he only did like four issues or three yeah, or four. But but it was it was um yeah, when when Tex needed a break, it went to uh Ron Wagner. Ron. Uh but yeah, but T- Tex had and and there were some it's it's weird. Hex is this was post crisis and 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 your favorite Confederate cowboy Jonah Hex was transported into the future um with Stiletta and he um most of the issues were kind of done in one. There were a couple of two parters, including uh, meeting the Batman of that era. Yeah, uh, there were some nifty ideas in those stories, including a, um, a the whole. It was just it was it was weird. It wasn't a. It didn't necessarily tie in to everything else DC was doing at the time, but it was a way for them to still you know have a a. Um, for them to be able to use Jonah Hex, not that they were really using him all that much at the time, but it was this was after the anthology era, and and you know he wasn't in weird western tales or whatever else uh, was going on. He didn't show up in Brave and the Bold because Batman was transported to the past, so it was just a um, it was it was a nifty way to just he was a man out of time, and and uh, seeing him try to adapt to this post-apocalyptic it was very mad it, it was jonah hex meet mad max it was it, it was post-apocalyptic and uh he just kind of had to make the best of a really bad situation but it was only 18 issues and it ends with um with, with keith giffen art and uh call back to earlier in the show and it was a um it it ended on a a happy note because hex kinds of he, he basically meets himself, more or less, and uh, yeah, it 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 gave him some hope, and the and, and the series just kind of ended. But it was a you know it's it's not an exp- it, it it's not a series that DC is going to collect anytime soon. You can find the issues in the four for a dollar bin, no doubt. Uh, but it is a one of those just. If you ever ask somebody, hey, have you ever read Hex? Chances are eight, nine times out of ten, you're going to get no. Mm-hmm. Right. It's true. Yeah. But uh, there's a method to my madness because I plan to have the entire collection cataloged before we go to Heroes. Oh, I love it. Oh, nice. You absolutely should. Yeah, because I'm tired of buying things twice. Yes! Yeah. Um. Little notable things. I have far too many issues of Legion of Superheroes. I don't believe you. I have. I don't. I don't see how that. I mean, unless you're talking about doubles, but I don't. I. I. I, there, I have some for some issues. I have three copies. Of that's each. insane, bro. Yeah, because I I just keep buying them, and and I didn't have the Legion properly cataloged. Whatever the series, the Legion, Legion, the 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 acronym. Um, the th- you know three boot the, the I, I have tons of Legion books, and in some instances, in a lot of instances, I have two and three copies of each. Okay, so so that's your two or three copy of each series. What's yours, Jason? Or do you just know. have instant recall and you know you already bought that issue? No, I, no, I don't think it's that. I. I other than a few things for collectible purposes, I don't really think I have too much redundancy. And it, it, it only because I, 
I have a ton of redundancy in owning collected editions of series that I also own in uh, s- singles, but I don't. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know, I don't, I know I mean, one for a I fact. Some, what? Oh, hot Jason? Mu. The Ohatmu. Yeah, no, no. I was going to say, I mean, the Ohatmu. I mean, I definitely own some Avengers and some X Men issues um, in duplicate because I would just buy them like on a whim. Mm. Um, uh, I, I mean, I own a, a crap ton of like x-force and new mutants and first appearance stuff in duplicate because right mainly because i'm an i'm an imbecile and i purposely spend a lot of money on extra copies of these things but um yeah but i don't think i have too much redundancy to be honest not at least not in single issue form it's really weird i have three copies of marvel team up 150 huh why but isn't that the last issue yeah yeah it's it's Spider Man and the X Men Barry Windsor Smith cover yeah yeah Barry Windsor Smith cover yeah, yeah is yep, yep, why yep. why did I buy three copies of that I don't understand I Barry don't remember Smith. why I don't know but in in uh, on the flip side I have two issues of the first appearance of Spider Woman okay mm-hmm. yeah it's like strange um, like I got lucky in my my duplicates on some of them and on others. Uh, I have like say six copies of Magnus Robot Fighter number twenty five. I I don't know why, <laughs> but it's fun. It it's fun revisiting all this stuff, and um, I actually enjoy cataloging the books. I like it when I'll scroll through the Fantastic Four, and all of the numbers are blue. Scroll after scroll after scroll in in uh, Comic Collector. When you have an issue, the number turns blue. Yeah, and I have a disturbing run of Fantastic Four. Yeah, I mean, well, you would probably have a larger one than that. Yeah, that that's actually if I were to Fantastic Four and maybe actually Fantastic Four might because it should be the flagship probably Eclipse Amazing Spider Man for me. Um. As far as number of issues. Yeah, my run of Amazing is longer than my run of Fantastic Four. And I and I have way too many issues of Fantastic Four. So it tells so you how many, saying, I mean, oh, how, how many issues Spider-Man short is. are you, like, would you say, of these series? Of Amazing? Um, or, or Fantastic Four, yeah, I mean. Well, I don't have the first ten Amazing. I think mm-hmm. I start with the Scorpion issue, which would be, what, DAP 12? I think so. Yeah. Um, Fantastic Four, I go back to about six. Mm-hmm. But then I I stop buying it when, um, like, after uh, McDuffie left. Right. Right. I, right, right, right. You know, I stop buying that. So, I mean, I don't have a complete run of volume one of each, but mm-hmm. I have super long chunks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as you guys know, we've—I haven't talked about the show in a long time. I mean, my—I really haven't bought single issues um, with regularity in a long time. I mean, in terms of back issues, but I—I I do have a, a standing goal, a life goal of having complete runs of Avengers and X-Men. But uh, but I'm still a ways off. I mean, I—I I, I have at least a hundred plus issues of each that I would need to. Well, no, no, I guess that's not true with the X-Men, but. Probably more like fifty or so on those, but but again, it's the most expensive issue, so it's it gets progressively harder to complete the collection, you know. Right. Like Avengers <laughs> number four is like, you know, 
by itself just absurd. Yeah. I've I've evolved past the need to complete the entire series. Like we know mm-hmm. one person who has a complete run of Amazing Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Kevin Moyer. Yeah. I mean, Bob Retail does too. Oh, okay. We know two people then. Yeah. Um, but I used to need that. I, I don't yep. anymore. Yeah. No. I, and that, that happened with me with Fantastic Four because mm-hmm. once, um, and, and it's not, it, it's, after Burn left, I stuck around for a while, and and you know with with the Falco and Paul Ryan and and Danny Belandi, and and that was that was fine. But I also had to stop buying comics for a while, and then uh, right. But then once it came, and I, I came back when Wade, Waringo, and Kessel started the book again, and and that was um, I was on for that, and that's that's the bulk of my run is from. Such and I do run. have a bunch of 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 the John Byrne issues, but for the most part. It it's it starts off with with Wade and Ringo and, and it continues into uh, Straczynski and then McDuffie and at that point yeah Miller came on and I was like I'm good and then I kind of came back in the beginning with Hickman and um, and uh, oh crap Eaglesham and um, and so I was there for a little while and then stopped with that so I it was really Fantastic Four is kind of the the first time I think I realized where I don't have to keep buying a book I'm not enjoying, and right. um, and and that's fine. And and when it comes to to amazing, I have, uh, according to the software, I have about 138 issues, and that's that starts off with issue 36, which was the 9/11 issue, and then uh, and then pretty much from um, that shitty story the other but then you you go from there to uh one more day and and uh and beyond so that was wait um, wait 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 back back it up you don't have any volume one no i not no not not anymore that is see there's this oh my god what did you No, this is the, the this this is hard to get through sometimes when, when we moved, when, when I had to leave Mount Vernon, yeah. I, 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 I left three or four long boxes behind mm. and, and that included amazing, it included GI <laughs> Joe, it included Batman and it, it included a lot of stuff and, and I left it in and, and I, I just, I kind of, I, I, I try to comfort myself by, by saying maybe the supers grandkids got some use out of those books. Uh, I just, I, I try not to think about what may have happened to those issues or where they ended up or who profited from them if they, if they were able to, but it was, um, I, there, I, I would have, I would definitely have a few thousand more comics in my collection had I, were I able to take those with me. Brutal. Yeah. So, um, so right now, as far as any redundancies in my collection, or at least full sets that I would like to own, um, would anytime I see anything from Milestone, I buy it. Anytime I see a Grendel issue, I, I buy it. So that's those are usually mine. Everything else, I if I've read it before, I, I'm I'm good. I, I don't necessarily need everything. I don't need to to re. I don't need to add what I used to own. To, to bake up for lost time. If, if, if it, if it means something, if, if it's, if it's a special story or if it's, you know, like I, I wouldn't mind 
a complete run of the Wolf and Perez New Teen Titans up until um, the wedding issue. And and that would be fine, the, the first 50 issues. But then um, other things... They're not super be... expensive. No, they're not. The only one that is is issue two, and that's because it's the first Deathstroke. Um, right, right. Which which I had at one time. I don't anymore. So I, it's something I'd like to have. But it, it's you know, other than that, you know, yeah, I, I have I have a good chunk of. Um, I don't want to say good chunk. Um, it's a. Um, no, there there are uh, okay. A little, not quite forty issues of that run. So I have most of of the Teen Titans run, but other than that, um, it's really kind of just those wonky series that that DC or yeah, mostly DC would put out, like Batman and the Outsiders. There aren't too many for, from Marvel that would. I, I don't think I'd need a complete run of Power Pack. I don't need a complete run of GI Joe special missions, and I mean those are <laughs> things that I I was buying as they were coming out, and they were great. And but I don't I I, I don't need to add, I don't need to put those back into my collection. Right, right. So enjoyable. I mean, it's it's just a hell of a lot of fun. There's a disturbing aspect to it too, because as I'm nearing the end, and I have about thirty boxes left to to enter. As I'm nearing the end, the holes that don't fill up in runs that I thought I had mm-hmm. start to 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 bother me. Like, yeah, uh, right, right. You know, there's a four issue miniseries, and I'm mission, missing issue three. That's and, me with Timberwolf right now. Yeah, and it's like, well, I thought I had that, and and with each new box, I'm waiting for these to bubble to the surface, and I'm hoping by the end that they do. But as of right now, there's about 15 or 20, you know, short series where I'm missing one or two. And it's, it just, it kills me until I plug those yeah. holes. Well, I'm excited by, and I, maybe you guys remember, I can't remember who, was it Cam who did the thing where he got all the issues that were released on the month of his birth? Yes. Yes, that was Cam. Yeah. So, so I love that idea, as, as yep. have many others, and I, so that is going to be the new, not, not like not an obsession, not like the art hustle, but I think it's going to be a fun thing to do at cons to do a little bin diving and try and find all of those because that that would be fun to have a, yeah. a short box full of all the issues that were released on the month of, of my birth. Agreed. That would be very expensive for me to do that. Um. Okay. See, so, yeah, I was born in '65. Yeah, those books, um, yeah. Yeah, those books are going to be pricey. Yeah, but see, where you it'll be it'll be pricey, but it's not like you're not going to you won't have fifty comics to get. Right. Whereas, as as somebody you know, born later, like, like Jason or even younger, where you would have you know where you'd have both publishers plus any indies. At, you know, so 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 the number of, of comics you'd have to get would be more. You, with Vince, yes, you would spend more on on fewer books, but you wouldn't have to get as many. Right. I mean, there are I think almost a hundred books from when I looked. Damn. Wow. Yeah. So I'm looking at the list here. Amazing Spider-Man number twenty-seven. 
Okay. Avengers number 19. Yeah, I mean, you're you're in it. It's going to yeah. be expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic Four 41. I already have that. <laughs> you're funny. He is. I'm just keeping it 100. But there's not any any uh, showcase fifty seven. There's not any real money books here, like huge. Right, there's money not any books. like break the back, break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no Hulk one eighty one here. Mm hmm. So whatever, I'll look into it. Still be fun though. Sure will. Yeah. And we hope you've Same. had fun on this episode. Are we we should wrap it up, or yeah. Yeah. Sure. As usual, this episode of 11 O'Clock Comics has been brought to you by Discount Comic Book Service, dcbservice.com, where you get your stuff, get it cheap, get it delivered right to your home for a mere fraction of the retail price. Black Mask is serving up the Billionaire Killers, number one, which will cost you $2.19. That's 45% off. Green Hornet, number one, from Dynamite, exclamation point, is one ninety nine, and from Oni Press, the Ballad of Sang, with art by Alessandro Michelli, is, uh, that's $1.99. Speaking of revisiting things we've already read, I cataloged one box, and inside the box were 40 issues unbagged. I don't know why I put them in the box unbagged. I may have uh, just uh, used them as a slug to, so to prop up the bagged ones, but I'm rereading Warren Ellis's Gravel. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. F- from Avatar. Uh, Bill Gravel, the combat magician. Uh, the premise is really cool. This is not the, the first Gravel series. It started with uh, Strange Killing, Stranger Kisses, whatever. But uh, this is the uh, eponymous Gravel series. And uh, mm-hmm. in it... There's a manuscript called the Sig Sand Manuscript, a very, very powerful magical document that has been separated into six sections and distributed among... There There are two castes of magicians, the major and the minor. Um, the the major guys are the, the, you know, the bigwigs, the ones that remove themselves from any kind of involvement with uh, the mundane, let's just say. And then you had the minor seven who um, they're the, the, the notable magicians and they think Gravel is dead. What with him having gone to Afghanistan um, and he's destroying the Taliban over there, um, they think he's dead. So they give, they, they, they fill his place in the minor seven and they distribute this this infernal manuscript manuscript among them. So the the beginning of this series is just Bill Gravel eliminating all of the minor seven in in very inventive ways, and he's picking up pieces of the manuscript along the way. It, it's it's a great series. It's Warren Ellis, just plain being Warren Ellis. Very inv- inventive plot twists, and uh, it, there's not a whole lot of the trademark Ellis science fiction bent in this. It's more mm. it's more magic based. Uh, mm-hmm. You, if if I didn't tell you uh, that Ellis wrote it, you may have attributed this uh, to Alan Moore in some spots. 
Mm. Yeah. I'm not saying it's written on that level, but approximating. Alan I feel Moore. you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I love Ellis, but he's no Alan Moore. And, um, but it, art by uh, my, my boy, Rollo Caceres, Oscar Jimenez. It, it's Mike Wolfer, I think, jumps on later, later and Wolfer uh, co-writes it. So uh, it, it's a good read. You can probably, like, like Dap is fond of saying, you can probably find these things in the cheapy bins. Um, I don't remember exactly how long it lasted, but it was well into the 20s. So uh, check out Gravel if if you like. Uh, if you're a fan of Hellblazer and Constantine, this is mm. not very far removed from that. I yeah. like it. Uh, in your travels, um, make sure you read Astro City for next week. Gotta. Got him. Uh, read Made Man, because maybe Vince and I will talk about it one day. Did you like it? The first five issues? Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, good. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I liked a lot. The um, Sexy as hell, too, but the book is... it's. She's a pig, right? It's it's oh, absolutely. She's a pig. I I don't know. Um, we'll we'll get into it. There are some there are some things like as as each issue wraps up. I I, it it kind of annoys me. I don't know if well, like I said, we'll we'll get into it. But yes, uh, check out Made Men from Oni, and I think I will say um, there is. You know, because we were getting ready for Jeff this week, I didn't read a lot of the new new that came out yesterday. But Same. one thing I did was um, Doomsday Clock number three. So in, in your Get travels, we've, we've talked about that. Talked about the first two issues. Um, this is, I think it's safe to say, more of the same. Uh, now you just have to wait a little longer for more of the same. It is now, Vince, I don't know if you've heard, a bi-monthly limited series. Yeah, I series. I ran down uh, comics on the green to get some boxes, and yep. we we were talking. And as a re, the the owner is also a comics fan, as are many or mm-hmm. most comic book shop owners, and he laments the fact as a retailer that the cash flow is not going to be as great because right. it's it's his top selling book. But as a fan of Gary Frank, he said that kind of work takes time. So yeah. the fan in me will wait for that, mm-hmm. yep. but but the retailer wishes that it could come out of sure yeah, because he's making he's making bank off it. Yeah, um, there is uh, there are some things about the issue that I kind of wish we didn't find out about. However, Vince, I will say if certain scenes in this issue happened in the first issue, you and I would not have a question about which universe this actually takes place in oh um so there is a it's if it it wasn't said aloud by the creators before uh there are scenes in this issue that that cement that uh that premise no problem um i i don't i don't think it's better than the first two issues but for the most part it, it it progresses the story and uh it picks up immediately after the second issue. So I'm only, I can only hope 
that the fourth issue will pick up immediately after the last page of the third, because the last page of the third kind of irks me a bit, but we'll, we'll see how it plays out in 90 days or whenever the hell it comes out. So yeah, read doomsday clock. Number three. Cool. And I've got uh, a pretty dope little something, something for new travels. It is from Flesk publications. $30 retail price, but you can find it on all the places you can find online book for $20 or less. I believe I paid $18. It is a brand spanking new hardcover. uh, Treasury sized. And it is called The Marvel Art of Arthur Adams. What? Yes. Yes. It is. It's. 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 Is it hardcover? It's hardcover. God damn. It's it's a hardcover. And what's cool is um, I ordered it from Flesk and I got. I didn't know this. Maybe I did when I ordered it, but I've forgotten. It is hand signed by Mr. Adams himself. Get the hell out of here. Yeah, man. Uh, Ah. Pretty cool. You got two copies, is, one for your, your boo? I got three copies, one for each of my boos. Oh. Nice. Um, it is a bunch of, of the art that Art has done, the art that Art has done for Marvel over the last bunch of years. Um, it's mostly current stuff. I think the earliest thing in here is the Avengers team piece, which I have a poster that of this that hangs in Holden's bedroom. And um, that and that was done, I think, in yeah, 2007. For it was a cover to Avengers Classic. Um, so, like I said, it's, it's basically like the last decade of stuff that he's done. But it's in many cases, it is a picture of the pencils and then the finished inked piece with some kind of detail, uh, whether it be a discussion by him, a little pull quote or just uh, some detail about where it was released and when. Um, but it's it's fantastic. I mean, you can't go wrong for the price. This is not an artist edition. I mean, the art is, in some cases, the art is smaller than a comic book page because they have, you know, like bibliography and and wording and, and, and stuff on the page as well. But, uh, but it's breathtaking. And I don't know, I didn't count how many images there are, but I'd say it's probably 80 to 100 images for, you know, 20 or so bucks. Uh, and you get to get a little peek into what was going on with Art's mind and the impetus for doing certain layouts certain ways. And uh, he pokes fun of himself a bit and have certain tendencies. And it's uh, it's fantastic. So a nice little gem of a book. It's uh, and, and highly affordable for, uh, I know a lot of people can't afford things like artist editions or artifact editions. And, uh, this is a nifty little art book that you can probably pick up for around 20 bucks. So once again, it is The Marvel Art of Arthur Adams by Flesk, F-L-E-S-K. Can't go wrong. Yeah, yeah, it's great. All right, everybody. Hey, thank you for being here once again. We implore you to join us next time when we will be uh, covering our book of the month, which is Astro City Volume 1. Should be a, a hoot. Uh, in the Annie. Yeah. In the meantime, I think Astro City is one of the few cities left that where you can get your uh, your shoes shined. 
It's an old-timey city. Love it. It is an old-timey city. Yeah. Say goodnight. David. Oh. Goodnight. David. Oh. Have you looked at Have you looked at the Slack? Wait, can you get kicked off the Slack? Oh, we're about to find out. <laughs> Holy shit, Max. Isn't that awesome? That All right. I like that. All right, everybody. We love you. Um <laughs> Come back next time. Uh, he's Jewish. <laughs> no, he's not. <laughs> he was born in the 70s, dude. Yeah, I was born in the 70s. She's cute. So was I. Bye. Bye.